0: Mother is believing. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe that? Does anybody here believe
1: that? We are from Arkansas, no.
2: Another week, another episode. Episode sixty-three, the Hannah episode. Hannah. Hannah is help meet to Artist Jed. Okay. Um, little trivia for you here, because we just call him Artist Jed. Do you know his real name? (laughs) No. Do you really you don't?
1: I just know him as Artist Jed.
2: (laughs) Jeremiah, or Okay. But they say like it's very like jeer. Like,
1: Jeremiah,
2: like, but they don't even say uh, they la- they rarely say his full name. Like, if I remember, it's like usually just like Jir. Okay. So, but he's artist Judd. So yeah. I mean, you know, well, yeah. The ki- I mean. But right now he's the lost of he's the most lost of the lost boys at this point in time. Until okay. he wrote, remember? Until he wrote that fucking ostrich, <laughs> he had a comeback. So, <laughs> all right. So the um, actually, I don't have official orders of business, but you know okay. what occurred to me. What's that? How did I make it through all of last week saying "Jilly Muffin" as many times as I did and never tell my own muffin story?
1: <laughs>
2: How did that happen?
1: That's true because we quote that all, story all the a lot. time,
2: yeah. all the time. Okay, so
1: all right, diggers, get ready.
2: Niece Katie, we talk about her all the time. The only family member that listens to the podcast, but <laughs> my little bestie, my little, my little, the little sister I never had, the little everything, yeah. you know, my little Legit. whatever. So. Katie, so my sister, my oldest sister had a thing that whenever her girls were little, she did it with her my other niece as well. She always gave them like little bob haircuts. <laughs> sometimes they had bangs, sometimes they didn't, like the little fringe. But she always gave them little bob haircuts. Mm-hmm. And she'd always like round roll, like round brush blow dry <laughs> them. So it would kind of like go under their chin. Mm-hmm. And it was like very round. So... I always thought it looked like a muffin top. (laughs) So I started calling Katie my little muffin. So then that summer, the summer that I've referenced where I got to, like, aim my friends at 1 a.m. And I had an elliptical and a TV. I mean, the Mm -hmm. summer of my life where I was staying um, in Tennessee with them while my brother-in-law was deployed. So, you know, I'd been calling her my little muffin And it was like the night before I was leaving, we were all very emotional, you know, (laughs) like very sad. And she was like crying and she came up and she handed me pictures that she drew. And like one of them was like a poster of all like this, like different stuff that we did. And Mm -hmm. like when I was like working out, like I was working, my sister had the firm. (laughs) <laughs> and so I was and it was like, thank you for letting me do the firm." like she was saying all these little things like she's pouring her little heart out. And she was just like, thank you for letting me do the firm with you. And just like all it was just like so sweet. And we're all like all sad. And then another picture that she hands me is she drew a muffin. And she said, and you're my big muffin. <laughs> and like so she drew this muffin and it said you're my big muffin and i i the g was like backwards and everything and i was just like oh my god and i love and i told him about it and for years i was like she drew me this picture i wish i still had it like i was like heartbroken i didn't have it anymore but like i was always talking about it so tim and i always talk about muffin comes up all the time because of mm-hmm. it about a year ago when we were moving my mom out of the house that I've been in, like we'd been in since, or she'd been in since I was nine. Mm-hmm. Found it. Yep. <laughs> so I currently have it. <laughs> I'm looking for the rest of it. Like yep. the little poster she made me. But um, yeah, she's like, and you're my big muffin. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so cute. I cry right now just thinking about it. Oh
1: but... man, it's so good. So
2: that's my own. She was sweet jelly muffin. Katie's my little muffin. I'm the big muffin. I'm mm-hmm. like a Costco size muffin, <laughs> if you will. So.
1: And I'm just a slightly overcooked muffin,
2: uh, caramelized.
1: Yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So there you go. That's my own muffin story. My big muffin. And you're, you're my big muffin.
1: <laughs> she was just throwing gratitude out there oh, into so the world. Sweet. I love it.
2: Yeah, it it's was a good so lesson. Cute. My little poster of all stuff we did and she's thank you for letting me do the firm <laughs> the with firm. you and like she drew a picture um. of like because it has like a it's like a stepping box but there's a way you can do it where it's slanted mm-hmm. and like that's how she drew it oh i'll never forget it oh <laughs> my god any so the episode is called duggars jump for joy
1: no dancing
2: <laughs> you no know. Jumping for joy. They ain't a jig um, for joy. This yeah. is jump for joy. Uh, which premiered November seventeenth of two thousand nine, and the episode begins at seven fifteen a.m. The Duggars
1: don't do well early, so.
2: Well, it was even more odd because some of the Lost Boys are already outside playing. Yeah, <laughs> I was really thrown off by that. I'm like, I thought they don't get their ass out of bed, like. Yeah. But some of them are like going down the hill. Mm-hmm. Like their little wagon thing already, but up in the girls' room, joy looks to just be waking up,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and they're um they're talking about how joy is sandwiched between these packs of boys. Mm-hmm. and they ask her what that's like, and she says, "Weird, It's weird to have all like all these boys, six boys under me, and two above me. So it gets pretty wild sometimes."
1: She is like breathy.
2: <laughs> and they ask if she's had to be tougher because of, because of that. Mm-hmm. She just straight up says, "No."
1: No. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. End of answer. Mm-hmm.
2: Like she just kind of like shakes her head and she's like, "Mm." Like yep. it's okay, moving on. <laughs> so, I
1: feel like there was a little bit of joy sass in like this opening. I think head. I have
2: joy sass. Do I have Oh, I think I have it somewhere else. Okay. but We'll we'll discuss when we get there. We can decide which was the defining joy sass. <laughs> so they're asking Joy about her morning routine. I mean, it is fucking boring. It's like, yeah. she's just like, well, I do this and it's So it's like, you don't I don't feel the need to go through the entire routine. But there was a point where she talks about eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. And at that point where she's, they, they show her eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. They show her eating a brick of ramen, or ramen if you're Josiah.
0: <laughs> I don't
2: think I ever pointed that out in the actual episode. It was in the Ethiopian restaurant where he said that when they burned, like the incense that they were oh, burning, yeah, yeah, yeah. where he was like it kind of. Uh, and I think when in the episode, I just said ramen like on my own, but Josiah said it kind of smelled like when you burn the ramen noodles. Yeah, <laughs> so ramen. Ramen. If you're
1: everybody, a, everybody
2: loves, everybody loves ramen. <laughs> I had the same thought. How are? <laughs> I had the exact same thought.
1: I was trying to do that with that same inflection, where there's like not a lot of emotion to it. Everybody loves Raymond. It's
2: pretty good, Raymond. Do <laughs> everybody loves Raymond noodles? <laughs> so she's eating a brick brick of Raymond, um, that are just like lightly soaked in tap water. Yeah. And and then there's a pop-up box box on the screen that says Joanna's favorite breakfast breakfast food is semi-cooked Asian noodles. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it cooked. It's just semi warmed,
1: Yeah. <laughs> like it's Yeah.
2: And she she's going through this noodle ritual and you know they're watching her the entire time mm-hmm. and she looks at the camera. She says, "What?" Like, as they're just, like, <laughs> filming her.
1: She felt so, judged hard. <laughs>
2: um, Then they ask Michelle, what of herself does she see in joy? And she says, I see this spunky um, tomboy season of life. That was me. I climbed trees. I rode my bike. I caught crawdads. And I'd fight the boys in my neighborhood just to let them know that I could have a fort and I could be the one in charge if I wanted to be. How that
1: mindset changed.
2: (laughs) Oh, my. How you left that far behind. So.
1: I just had a random thought. There was. I don't remember what it was, but there was something I was watching where one of the. They were going to eat something and to do something quick, the character grabbed a brick of Raymond and started eating it. And whatever person was trying to prepare food was like, damn it, John, will you stop eating those noodles like a little cracker?
2: <laughs> they are good, though. I mean, <laughs> I eat them straight from the brick. We, I, I've talked about how I took them in place of chips when, we mm-hmm. were, when I just wanted to have crunchy things like normal mm-hmm. children in my lunch. But, like, I mean, even now today, I, I'll eat me a fucking raw noodle.
1: And I do want to point out a little tip here. Whitney makes this really good, like, Mandarin salad type thing makes a really good dressing, but we garnish it with toasted slivered almonds mixed with small toasted dry ramen noodles.
2: The toastiness of the ramen noodle it gives a good. The toast is a it's a good flavor. The
1: toast it's crunchy, so you're looking for an interesting salad topping. Definitely toasted
2: ramen noodles. So. Lego comes walking in. Cell phone, belt clip a-blazin'. <laughs> that on there. Mm-hmm. Singing. Where is the birthday girl? The birthday girl? The birthday girl. Uh, little muffin. Oh, muffin again.
0: A little. <laughs> there we
2: go. We're talking about muffins all over. I was just like, you know, that's the tune of the Muffin Man. Look
1: at us. <laughs> muffins
2: all over the goddamn place.
1: This is a muffin episode. Seriously. Mm-hmm.
2: Muffin, but muffins.
1: Oh, look at There she did it.
2: What do you think about Mildred's... What, do you, <laughs> what does she look like right Mildred now? Mildred seems see
1: unamused by your jokes, <laughs> She's mama. sitting
2: next to me and... Uh, she yeah. just
1: legitimately looks unamused.
2: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Lego announces that it's a very special day, as he says on mm-hmm. every birthday, and says, we're gonna go... We're gonna go mad. <laughs> so, um, they got all kinds of things planned for Joy's birthday. So they head out, and oh, they're back on the Gus style bus. They're back mm-hmm. on the Gus bus Gus or the the dog bus. The Doug bus. <laughs> um, I was I was a little worried there. You know, we hadn't seen mm-hmm. it in a while, and I was like, I hope they haven't given up the Gus. Yep. But <laughs> you
1: never want to give up the Gus.
2: No. Um, we're good though, and Faye is actually joining them, and it's been a little bit since she's been in an episode more than just like a, like a quick clip like yeah, when she they didn't watched... really
1: say anything the last couple times
2: yeah it was just like she was in the audience at the nose arc thing and something else before I just know that the last few times we've seen her she hasn't been very like prominent in the episode mm-hmm. but um, so she's joining them and she's on the bus and she's sitting with joy for like the ride there and in a talking head they ask joy what she thinks of Amy and she says she's very long-ass pause <laughs> She's very energetic. Energetic. <laughs> she's just a uh, she's fun to be around. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's okay. That's where I wrote down Joy Sass but
1: because she was like searching for a word and it's
2: seemed... oh no 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 no, no, no. it's all, I'm putting it ahead. Okay, never mind. It's this next thing. Now I understand in my notes.
1: I do have one comment, and it was the joy, huh? The joy of being a child and eating candy that like turns the inside of your mouth a color. Cause there was when they were when uh Canon was describing her, there was a scene of her like holding a little walkie talkie in her hand and talking to somebody, but then she also had like a ring pop and like her teeth were all blue and stuff. There's just something about being a kid and eating candy that like turns your mouth like the blue raspberry um like tootsie pops. Those were the, the ones that I Well, love.
2: I was about to... Blue Raspberry Tootsie Pops.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know. Or Blow not, Pops, because they have the like, gum inside. I was like... I'm like, Tootsie Pops? Yeah. Same brand. Uh, but you, you say it like it's past... Tim's. your your tongue was blue last night.
1: Mm-hmm. Had myself a Blue-E-G.
2: What was it? Jungle Juice?
1: They call it Jungle Juice, yeah. It's like guava and pineapple and but mango Yeah, like, and and stuff. But yeah, and
2: it's bright-ass blue. And he, and he <laughs> comes in, and I'm like, your tongue is blue. So it's like this... Yep. You had some joy in your life.
1: I did. I relived it.
2: Okay. So, the reason I put Joy Sass is for this next part. Okay. Because Joy is, you know, sitting next to Femi, like I said, on the Gus. And Amy's just asking her a bunch of questions. And Joy is kind of quiet. And and (laughs) Femi says, Talk to me, darling. And Joy, she makes a face and, like, kind of, like, rolls her (laughs) eyes up a little bit. Yeah. That's where I put down Joy Sass. Definitely. Okay. Which as we were just, you know, putting our covering our squares, that reminded me I know we've mentioned it before, but because we're we're talking about Raymond, I just wanna remind everybody that one of the markers for our boards is little bricks of Raymond noodles.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. So just yep. a reminder that very it's very appropriate. Full thing, And then little cans of Pringles is another one. <laughs> Couldn't find any fucking pickles or tater tots. So it's Pringles and Raymond noodles. And
1: Raymond noodles.
2: So now, it makes a little bit more sense as to why Lego said that they were going to go mad. Because at their first stop of the day, they arrive at the Mad Pizza Company. Mm-hmm. So we get a Duggar's Dine Out. Put a put a brick of Raymond on that, that square, <laughs> will you? I
1: feel like we haven't had a Duggar's Dine Out in a while.
2: You know, when we made these boards at the beginning of the season, there's some that I really thought we'd see more that, like, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, I really thought we'd see them going out to eat a lot more.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so
2: it must be, when I'm thinking of it, must be further down the line in seasons.
1: Yeah, probably.
2: So, <laughs> It's a rare one, that one. So um, did you happen to know, so they're just like, you know, eating fucking pizza. It's nothing mm-hmm. earth shattering. But did you notice that Terry was there? No. Makes sense because he did say he likes to watch them eat. <laughs> so this is a big event in his world so makes sense you know he's like i'm gonna be there for the eating we don't see him at the next stops we saw him for the eating which all lines up
1: big fan of Duggars dine out that one
2: (laughs) that's his favorite square (laughs) didn't see deanna though like you see Mm Fami, you see Terry. like you see terry while they're eating you also see him like opening up the door and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but like no i didn't see deanna but uh jill amy and joseph they leave the lunch separately to go pick up a birthday cake so just kind of keep that in mind we're going to come back to that Mm -hmm. in typical lego fashion he he's trying to like say something you know
1: (laughs) fill the space yeah
2: i don't know if meaningful is the right word but he's you know trying to fill space as he always does with these things so now he says guys you know what everybody likes a challenge And instead of going around things, one idea is to climb up it and go over it. (laughs) So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go climb a rock. Yep. Deep as always.
1: (laughs) There is a square that I think we missed here. Oh, okay. And potentially two.
2: Oh, my. What's going on here? When
1: they're eating pizza, before he makes that comment, he does talk about Joy and it's her birthday. And, you know, it's the same thing. It's a special day. And as he's talking, Cannon is adoringly gazing at I feel like him. I,
2: mi- I feel like that one like I kind of miss. You usually point this one out, not mm-hmm. me.
1: So she was adoringly gazing at him. Okay. And we get a twofer because after he finishes talking about the fact that it's Joy's birthday, he looks at Michelle and then goes, and thanks for having her. And then there's a tight-lipped kiss. In the middle of a mad
2: pizza. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I was probably Mm -hmm. writing, to be quite honest. Yeah, it happens. And I'm constantly pausing, but there's sometimes where I'm like, nothing's happening. I can hurry. like Yeah. like So I missed it.
1: Yeah. I missed
2: a twofer. That was a twofer. Maybe I'll get a fucking bingo. We'll see. (laughs) That's pretty exciting. So anything else on that? Can I go to the to the?
1: Let's move on.
2: Okay, so now they've arrived at Lewis and Clark Outfitters. Mm Mm-hmm. And since Joy is the birthday girl, she's going to be the first to scale the rock climbing wall, and I definitely argue an inappropriate attire square.
1: One hundred percent. It was also kind of endearing because she had that like little kid like ner- she, like she was nervous to do it, and like even when they were like, "All right, the birthday girl is going to go first. like you saw her like lightly wringing her hands, yeah, <laughs> like, like
2: <laughs> she's like, "I'm kind of scared." Like, yeah. yeah.
1: Which we know that a lot of the clan has issues with heights. We've had that discussion multiple times. So,
2: mm-hmm. so on the along the lines of the inappropriate attire, it's because this guy is trying to you know help get her geared up for this, mm-hmm. but she's in a fucking skirt, mm-hmm. so that's difficult. Yep. <laughs> So Joy actually calls to Cannon to come help her, and for a f- split fucking second, I was impressed that she was asking for Michelle and not Jill because Jill is her <laughs> big buddy. Then I re- I was like, oh yeah, that's right, Jill's not there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Jill's yep.
2: at the bakery. Mm-hmm. So now I, I was like, oh look at that. Oh never mind.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Pretty sure if Jill was there, she might have been first pick. Of but, course. You know, I w- like split second. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> never mind.
1: There was that thing when they were getting back on Gus to come here where Joy actually asked, where did Jill and Amy go? And there was kind of like that mumbling because it was obviously a surprise. Yeah. So it was kind of like a mumbling of like where they went in Mm -hmm. there. So
2: So, continuing with the whole, you know, (laughs) skirt thing. So wearing a skirt at this point to me is it's pretty much just like. Virtue signaling at this point, in a way, Mm -hmm. because she's wearing leggings underneath, and the gear, because of the way you have to put your legs through it, Mm -hmm. is pushing up the middle of her skirt completely up. Mm -hmm. So basically, now she's just wearing like very bulky denim gauchos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like what it looks like.
2: (laughs) Which, oh my god, on gauchos for a minute. (laughs) Um, man the th- the fucking chokehold it had on my time, like my freshman year of like high school <laughs> and into like some of my sophomore year fucking mm-hmm. gauchos everywhere. I had one <laughs> pair. I should not have been wearing them. I looked terrible, <laughs> but joy looked like she was wearing wearing like denim gauchos or mm-hmm. something. Um anyway, so on that to that point, the article of clothing that is actually keeping her modest as she climbs feet up into the air. Isn't the fucking skirt? Yep. It, it's those sinful pants.
1: <laughs> but they're covered.
2: But but so <laughs> but it's like you're just wearing them to continue to say that I'm wearing a skirt when that's not you're not wearing it as a skirt right now. You're mm. forming them into pants as best you you have to to right. wear this apparatus, mm-hmm. and then from there, that's not what's keeping you from looking up at her crotch when you look up. It's <laughs> like. What's covering her is fucking like it's just so ridiculous. That's yeah. like you're just pushing it so far. Where it's like just let her wear the fucking leggings.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It's just they're trying so hard. Like,
0: yeah.
2: It's fucking ridiculous. Gaucho's.
0: <laughs>
2: Does anybody still wear gauchos? Like, if I, I, I that came and it went. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's not one of those things that kind of like sucker. Like, I still p- see people. Well. No, I was about to say that I still see people wearing like the foam flip flop of the time, but then like that's also coming back. But even before that, like there's certain things mm-hmm. from those eras where you're like, no, I still kind of see that here and there. That is not something I fucking see anywhere. Like, yeah.
1: Fashion is cyclical. So give it, give it like five years and they'll come back in vogue.
2: I don't know. <laughs> so Joy ends up making it about halfway up the wall. And then Josiah.
1: In in like flip flops too. Oh <laughs> like- yeah, we're getting there.
2: We're getting there. That's not even. But um, Josiah is the first one to make it all the way to the top and be able to ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And like um. And like Tim was just saying, continuing on. If we hadn't already gotten inappropriate attire, <laughs> we'd get it again. Again. Because um, Joy, she's trying for a second time, going up the wall, and. Uh, Partway through, she ends up just dropping her her like sandals off her like wall up in the air, and they're just mm-hmm. like, "Let us just let them go," and like she drops them off. Because go figure, they're not the best shoe choice for climbing a wall.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they make good appropriate attire choices for some of these things. Like we've seen, this was also a surprise. But
2: well, no, it wasn't fully a surprise because he even said in the in the beginning. Oh, we have some and He's like, but I think you know where we're going today. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, he even said that when he was like, "We got some surprise. Well, not really. Like,
1: I assumed that was because he said that he said the word "mad," and I I assumed he was like, "Oh, well, now you know we're going to Mad Pizza."
2: I just don't think it makes a difference either way.
1: <laughs> it really doesn't. Surprise
2: or not, <laughs> nothing would have changed about her wearing those shoes or wearing that skirt. Nothing That's would have true. changed. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it would have operated the exact same way. <laughs> So now flashing over, Joy, Amy, and Jill have arrived at the bakery, and they've picked out a cake. It's a very cute cake. I really like it. And the lady asks what they want written on the cake, and Jill just kind of, like, stands there silent, and Femi is like, Oh, um, and we get a Joe Speaks square, <laughs> because he's very quietly behind behind both of them, and he says, happy birthday joy like kind <laughs> yeah, of like you know like are you fucking kidding me like you're like is it that like mm-hmm. what else would you put on a case so yeah. it's kind of funny and they all start laughing but then the lady that works there actually suggests have a joyful birthday instead which nice. is better mm-hmm. d- decidedly better yep more personalized but i i cracked up he's just like happy (laughs) birthday joy like he's like are we really having this conversation so it's probably the funniest thing i've ever heard him say
1: (laughs) i just feel like i i do i can empathize a little bit with like the when you get put on the spot and you're trying to like think of something funny or think of something creative but not the most logical idea and you're just like duh (laughs) you know like that's what that felt i i totally understand that
2: yeah it was funny (laughs) So back at the rock wall, Lego challenges John David um, to race to the top and Lego actually smokes him, like <laughs> kicks his ass. But then Sean says to JD in a like in scene like interview, he's like, your old man kind of beat you to the top there. And John says he had the easy side. Which is true. I had forgotten that the right side was the easy side and that the mm-hmm. left side was the more advanced. So I was like, oh, yeah. So yeah. like, it wasn't like it was like an equal match.
1: Yeah. Cause it like juts out from the wall. So it's a little bit more complicated and yeah. your weight is different. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I'm like, at first I was like, oh, man. I'm like, he fucking kicked his ass. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's not that good. Never mind. You know,
1: I have a question for you because I wrote it down. I thought it was something. This was the same bakery that they went to for the wedding cake, right? I believe so. It looked yeah. the same, but then I didn't see like that like older man that was helping them before, so I just wanted to make sure.
2: I believe it was.
1: And they had like the doors like you would get a drink at a gas station and then they had a lot of cakes that were just kind of like made so then you could go in there and be like I want that one and pipe this, you know. It yeah. wasn't like a pre-order.
2: Yeah, because like <laughs> even when they got in the car to go um they're like okay we're going to this bakery and then jill's like we didn't call or do anything I'm like very <laughs> dugger and she's like i hope they have something yeah and then um amy's like you know where we're going and she's like no that's why you're here <laughs> like she's just yeah, like was... nope i don't
1: <laughs> they were going nowhere fast yeah. there for
2: they didn't know where the fuck they were going they didn't know nope. what the fuck they were getting they didn't nope. know what they were gonna put on the cake <laughs> nobody knew what was going on a whole lot
1: of not knowing going on but
2: the cake turned out very cute so and
1: it was like that it was a good like preteen cake. Oh, it was so because cute. Because of the colors. Yeah. It was like that neon green and like purpley bluish, bluish. Like, yeah, yeah.
2: Like teal and it was very cute. Yeah.
1: Fairy of the time, I, very. I like,
2: and yeah, I was I, I I don't know why I really love this cake. I just It had like
1: spirals in the in the design too that was around the outside. And there so. was
2: like a certain shape that just makes me think of like SpongeBob. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. I remember there used to be these pencils when I was a kid, and I they had some like off the wall like '90s name, but like the wood on the pencil was like neon colors, so the pencil would be like purple.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I know. What and about.
1: and then when they would carve like a little grippy part in it, and you could see like the neon green wood that was in it, and they were like '90s and extreme, and I always wanted those damn pencils.
2: They're they're cool. Did you okay? Why are we talking about pencils? Did you ever see the pencils that were su- made out of recycled denim?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So, my mom got me those one time. I thought I was cool Damn. as fuck. Um, it, if it was a Duggar girl, it would be either made of denim skirts. <laughs> <laughs> Old skirts, not yep. jeans. Yep. Um, and yeah. And you weren't and...
1: buying used pencils, but you were. they was made with used products. So, and you and were s- technically s- buying used.
2: Yes. And I just remember thinking that the shavings of those pencils were super fucking cool. <laughs> But I'll move on from talking about pencils.
1: I have one more pencil. I have one more pencil point.
2: <laughs> Merp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love, to this day, I love the smell of sharpened pencils.
2: Oh, yeah. It's a good smell.
1: So I buy packs of like the Ticonderoga or whatever they, however you say it, um, pencils, and I take them to work. I use them at work for a lot of stuff. And <laughs> I I used to have like a, what?
2: I'm thinking of that one that one instagram kimmy rose that i follow that where she was like you're not getting the mitochondria pencils
1: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> she does the
2: sig mom
0: yeah
1: the,
2: the cigarette mom bit and she was since back to school shopping those exact <laughs> pencils she's like you're not getting the mitochondria the pencils <laughs> mitochondria pencils, yeah <laughs> sorry go ahead she's
1: like you see those folders down there for a dollar get a different color for every subject and she's like math science p.e. whatever the fuck <laughs> gym whatever the fuck yeah <laughs> It's a great oh, bit. It's a very good bit. Don't um, put...
2: <laughs> look at these shoes. You you said you want them Vans. They look just like them Vans. And then it's like the- feeling the toe. And she's like, Kim, don't put your toe back just because you don't like them. Just because you don't like them. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. I took a- us
1: <laughs> on went on a tangent one night just watching all of her reels, it was very good.
2: Don't put your toe back just because you don't like
0: them. <laughs> That's
2: so funny. Anyways, I'm sorry. But as soon as you said those pencils, I was like, you're not getting the mitochondria pencils.
1: Good bit. Look her up. Very good. My last pencil point was the fact that I use them at work, and everyone's like, "Are you using like regular like traditional pencils?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and I explained that I like I like the way they write, but I used to use a little like hand pencil sharpener. And it broke. So I bought a new one. And literally the first time I used it, the sharpener part broke off of the lid. And I'm like, ah, right? So the sound, this is such a dumb thing to talk about, but I upgraded. And it's about the size of like a tape measure. And it's battery operated.
0: Ooh.
1: Right? So little, like a tape measure. You stick the pencil in there. It, it goes, you know, and it sharpens. One of my cooks laughed at me because I wear an apron every day, and they all have pockets. And he laughed at me one day because he watched me go to use it, and it was really dull. And then I keep that pencil sharpener in my pocket. So he watched me take Ooh, a dull pencil. Who else on this
2: earth carries around a fucking pencil <laughs> sharpener in their pocket on their day-to-day? But go on.
1: But he laughed at me because I looked at it, and he... I feel like he just watched me go. Oh man! And all I did was stick my pencil into my pocket, and then he heard, and then I pulled it out, and he was like, "Do you have a pencil sharpener in your pocket?" And I was like, "Yes." Don't judge me. I love a good school uh, supply.
2: Last <laughs> anyway, week, last week it was eggs. This week it's pencils.
1: See, that was our our new segment called Pensive Pencil Point. <laughs>
2: And and while you're saying that, I thought of the beginning of that bit that I loved, and she was all, We're going shopping for skill supplies.
0: <laughs> 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 I gotta oh, regain
2: yeah. myself, because now I'm thinking about all of that. I gotta gain my composure.
1: <laughs> skill right, supplies. Skew.
2: Okay, where the fuck am I? <laughs> oh, um, no, seriously, where am I? So, Joy gives it a third try, and this time she makes it to the top, so, third try. Third try really is a charm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe she got she finally got the feel for the gauchos mm-hmm. and like the she shoes. She put the flip flops back on yeah, too, you know. So mm-hmm. she was feeling what works for her, you know. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Now they're going to play laser tag, which is what Joy really wanted to do, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's really getting quite the birthday adventure, like adventure, like three stops. Yeah. Oh, that my. TLC like, is, money's really coming you, through right now. I mean, right you now. can see what Jason mm-hmm. just got, like, the roller rink. He didn't get <laughs> three stops.
1: Oh, man.
2: Like, this whole, like, she's definitely, she's reaping the rewards of the family ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that ministry is really starting to roll in. <laughs> ministry, you Living know.
1: high on the hog, that one.
2: Yep. So, as they pick teams, Joy and Josiah are the captains. And Joy, very sweet of her. She picks Femi first, and then Jim Bob second. I, f- I forget who's her third, and then Grandma fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, I give Grandma kudos for joining in on the action, like mm-hmm. we've seen her do before. But, uh, I mean, she didn't pick the greatest team of people.
0: <laughs>
2: which it shows, because their team got zero points <laughs> so um yeah so she was very kind to include mm-hmm. those people on her team but she didn't exactly pick a winning team but of like course she already won you know
1: that's true she, Did you... she got three
2: stops so she'd already won the day <laughs>
1: There was. This is the first time I've seen Jana in a long time without a baby in her hands.
2: Oh, good for Jana!
1: Yep, she gets picked, and then she kind of like walks over to the team. And I was like, I was expecting her to still have a child. <laughs> She's out there wearing laser. a laser tag vest, and <laughs> I mean, think about it. It'll block the the con the sensor, uh-huh. so technically it's defense. But yeah,
2: good for Jana.
1: Did you ever go laser tagging?
2: I was just about to ask you the same. Never. I Ooh. never have.
1: There was a period in my life where we went laser tagging a lot because 35th Avenue in Peoria, there was a place called Laser Quest. And I remember we went there for like a like somebody's birthday and we were like, man, this is really fun. And it actually was kind of cheap. This was probably like eighth grade, freshman year through like freshman year, I think. And we would go there a lot. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun.
2: I've never. I, I have couldn't couldn't begin to tell you anything
1: yep and everything's like there's black lights so like whatever you have on your on your whatever you're wearing that day will show up pretty fast and there was a very specific like smell of the room and it wasn't a bad smell but like a very specific smell and i remember you you go into the little like locker room type thing and you pull your you pull your vest and your gun off of the wall, like you're
2: gearing up. It was like yep. that feel of going to battle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then they had like the person that worked there that was like going over the rules and it was a lot of fun. And then you get out and they give you like a there's like a leaderboard, so it shows you like how you did versus everybody else. So good times. Lego
2: was wearing a striped polo that had white stripes, so he was really glowing. <laughs> and he even said something of like like, Oh yeah, like everybody's gonna see him because he's like glowing. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have for laser tag. I mean, it was really short. Like mm-hmm. they didn't like focus on it at all. It was like it was like
1: pirate themed. It's like they like were the there room. and they were
2: gone. It was over.
1: <laughs> yep. There was only a couple minor notes I have on this. One of them is uh, they had a lot of obviously talking heads with joy and kind of like moving things. She has Jessa eyebrows. You know when Jessa does like the kind of sass eyebrow? Yeah. Joy has the exact same expression. And I wrote that on there. They have the same sass eyebrow. Well,
2: I will have to pay attention to the brow.
1: Sass brow. Sass brow. And then, yep, we talked about the clothing. Man, I just, I love laser. We should go laser tag. Yeah, we should.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like over the summer, we went bowling and we were like Mm -hmm. playing in the arcade and stuff. We should just like hit up all the.
1: Bowling was fun. We should do that again.
2: I know, it was fun. So, now it's later that night, and we're seeing Pest and Anna for the first time since their birth special.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, not so special with those graphics, but (laughs) it was called a special. Of course. And Pest is stuffing his face, and I think it was Jackson. I didn't write down, but I want to say it was Jackson.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I was asking him, like, what are you eating? And he's like, food. And he's like are you? And he's even asking, like, in a funny voice, he's like, are you eating marshmallows? When Pest is, like, shoveling mashed potatoes down his gullet. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, it's market, Marketplace, or, like, whatever. And he, yeah, so, like, they obviously, like, got takeout on their way there, Mm -hmm. and, like, were sitting there eating. And now they're having cake and ice cream, and Lego, with his jokes, his filling of space, his jokes i'm doing air quotes Uh, and the best thing about this guys is that this is all fat-free diet cake yeah and pest also chimes in and says just don't think about it then you're fine it's seafood diet you see it you eat it
1: yeah the oldie but moldy
2: is that a pest gone pest
1: i i kind of feel like it yeah there's
2: actually a lot of squares this round so, not including, um, I never got better than three, which is unfortunate for how many things we have. Mm-hmm. I never got better than three, but there's, oh, wow, eight, eight of them. This is yeah. a pretty good episode for mm-hmm. squares-wise.
1: It's been a little barren on the bingo squares big. recently.
2: Yep. They hate barren. <laughs> Um, and the episode ends with Joy opening her gift from Pest and Anna, and it's a pink purse. And she seems very into it. Mm-hmm. She's like, "It's my first purse. Well, I have one. I put my knitting stuff in, but, but it's like my first purse. Like,
1: yeah. and it is a vibe.
2: I had a very similar purse. <laughs> to I be figured. quite honest, Will I did. We
1: please describe the purse.
2: Well, it's just like that pink, like kind of alligatory. Like I don't know. Do I remember? Mm. Is it like well, that's how mine kind of was? It was mm-hmm. like like the textured and it has like the big buckly thing on it and like it's a just very shiny buckle. like yeah. it's just very of the time <laughs> and at the very end joy goes up to josh and she says thank you and she gives him a hug and he says you're welcome and i just kind of found i found myself getting a little bit choked up i just felt like just knowing I don't know just anytime I feel like you see those interactions between Mm -hmm. him and one of like the victims I I just feel like it just makes me really sad because I'm like that's just supposed to be your big brother yeah you know Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and I don't know why just like seeing her be like thank you and like giving him a hug I'm just like ugh, that's just that's supposed to be your big brother that's like you know and then just like I just feel like when you know like the underneath and like where it all goes it's just Mm -hmm. it's really sad to watch like
1: it made my chest tight like legit like when I realized that when I knew that was what she was going to do, like it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, watching it.
2: Yep. And it's like I know he's around all the time, like you see him all these, but there's just like those little moments where it just really hits you. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, get away from her! Like in my head, I'm just like, don't touch her! Like mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. Where you're just like, there's just certain things that it just like it sucks it out. Uh, like you, you feel like you're just like zoned in on it in that moment. And you're like, oh, like they're touching. He's like, you know.
1: And there's two points to that. One of them is that is kind of the point of this pod is us watching, consuming this media through that lens of knowing kind of what happened. And then, and I think reading the second half of the book kind of colored a lot of, I think, how I'm going to watch this moving forward. Yeah. And it's just it's the full picture. It's the knowing the the hiding of the things that happened and pretending that it got f- that things were better and, and things were fixed. ever talking
2: about it. And you can't mm-hmm. even talk about it with each other. And then
1: yep. And it's like there's just so after reading the second half of the book and then looking at that, like that hit me really hard. As yeah, once again, this is the facade that they're putting out there because it becomes an enterprise, not a ministry. And it's the way they make money. So it's that idea of don't say anything. Don't pretend like anything's wrong. Don't, you know, it's just, it's sad to yeah. kind of watch at times, you know.
2: So it kind of to that was like, the, that was the end of the episode where I was like, well, that had, it had been like a lightheaded episode. And then I was like, wah. Well, like, that kind of sucks, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but
1: When kind of relating back to spoiler alert, what's going to come as we discuss the second half of the book, there is one talking head with canon after, um... John David and and Lego go up the wall and they were like you know what was it like to like see your husband do that and she's like oh he loves you know doing activities with the kids and you he's know a usually big kid usually he's hurting the next day you know but so that was kind of light but yeah she was like um he's a really big kid at heart and in my head I'm like and emotionally <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. the, like yeah, uh, no no kidding yeah he's so a
2: fucking gigantic ego driven baby like man baby. Mm,
1: and you'll <laughs> yep. that was described real real big. Yep. So I do have one bingo related comment. Oh so when we were we paused for a minute and I have one thing while they were rock climbing that I thought could count for matching clothing. Because when John David and Lego were going up the wall, they were both wearing jeans like camping style boots and uh, red polos that were striped.
2: I'll have to review the tape.
1: So I told Whitney, I think that could potentially count for matching clothing. Now, this is when I don't look at my board when I'm watching, neither does Whitney. So it's like as we gather and we make notes of where those squares are, we don't know if it's going to lead to anything. We're just putting those down so we can talk about them, and then I realized when we were having our debate that it would have given me a bingo. Hmm. I think you're a bingo blocker.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, do I review? Do you think you really think that counts? I
1: think I think we should. We're gonna go to official review, and. At some point in this, episode. because here's the thing,
2: I I I am am going to call myself a little bit. I, like I, initially, I want to say no, it's not purposeful. Because you know how like so, because I was telling Tim that earlier in this episode, I saw that two boys were wearing striped polos but i'm like Mm -hmm. it's just too i'm like it's just they have a a fucking family closet there's only so many so much available i'm like it didn't feel purposeful so Mm. i was like i didn't count that and then he was like well then there's um jim bob and john david Mm -hmm. and so i would be like well i think it needs to be purposeful but then on that note that time that um michelle and was getting real we're, we're really Anna analyzing and Anna at the, at Anna, the big, at the sale, big right? sale they were like wearing the exact same shirt exact. And I counted it but I'm like I don't know that that was purposeful so it's true I can't mm-hmm. necessarily say that I always do it based off of being on purpose or not
1: I mean when they did the running when they were running the little like fun run around the mall, three of the lost boys were all wearing brown polos and jeans. So, I just, I don't know. Like, I get what you're saying. We're going to have to go to the judges on this. Oh,
2: yeah. This is getting complicated, guys.
1: Mildred, we need you to be Mildred Mediator over here. I guess,
2: I just, I think when we created this square, it was the idea of when they showed up and they're all wearing, everybody's wearing red, you know, where it's like, you can tell that that was like, they meant to be matching. And then as this has gone on, I'm like, this is getting complicated. (laughs) I was not prepared for this level of analysis yep. regarding their
1: And when we came up with these squares, you didn't know that I was gonna get the bingo first, you know. Repeatedly
2: so. and only. <laughs> Which by the way, we're close enough to the end of this season. We're not it's not like over in two seconds. We still have mm-hmm. like a handful of episodes left. But we're close enough to the end of the season that I'm and I'm not making any fucking changes. It's it is what it is right now. But I've already decided that for next season mm-hmm. I'm going to at the beginning all at once. I'm not going to change them every week or anything, but mm-hmm. I think like I'm going. We should going redo. To, I, well, we're going to redo it, but I'm going to do four boards, and Why we're going to four because we're going to randomly pick each week. You're a
1: little salty.
2: No, I'm <laughs> so that we don't have the same board the entire season. Mm. So that we'll out of the four, we'll each just randomly pick one that week, and then so we'll have a different potential. It could be the same board if we keep choosing the same one, but we're going to have four boards. I've already I'm already planned
1: bingo blocker over here
2: any who's old.
1: <laughs> we'll have Mild- we are going to go to an official review and we'll let you we'll have the the mediator mildred uh let you guys know what what the judges when she say.
2: wakes up she's asleep
1: <laughs> all right
2: we're picking up right where we left off last week so for some reason you didn't listen to last week's episode you're going to want to go back and listen to that first but we left off at the point in counting the costs where Derek first broached the subject of them being paid for being on the show to Jim Bob. Mm-hmm. Jill was dying inside the whole time. But at the end of the night, while she laid awake and Derek was fast asleep, she said, I felt something change inside of me. So um, that was just to kind of recap you mm-hmm. where we left off. Yep. So initially after this conversation, filming the show was kind of okay for them because they were doing a lot of self-shot scenes Mm -hmm. so it was easier to work it around their schedules and not quite as grueling right but the problems really came to a head when they were being asked to fly back to houston to do promotional work for the show uh the dillards reminded them and by them i most of the correspondence is with chad lego's right-hand man so they remind him that they'd made a commitment to mike Mike is the same guy we've met before. I say met, but, you know, in the Mm -hmm. Grande Bag of Beans episode. Because they had made a commitment to Mike that they would, like, stay put for a while. Yeah. And there was lots of back and forth trying to get them to come and asking them, like, well, well, what flight do you want? It's kind of like Mm -hmm. that thing where you do where you just kind of ignore the fact that people said no. And you're like, well, what what flight would you like? It's like, we said no. Mm Mm-hmm. Um And they're even dangling, like, this carrot of, like, well, we could just, like, you know, buy supplies that you need that you could take mm. back with you. It's just, it's all such obvious, like, coercion. Yep. Tactics. It's a
1: perfect word for it. Yep.
2: um And I find this all quite interesting because this is one occasion where it's very evident that Lego uses chat at times to try to manipulate, like, more from afar. Mm-hmm. The same way that last week we just dis- discussed how, like, the show equals Jim Bob and they're one oh, and the yeah. same. The same thing goes for Chad. Like, Chad is Jim Bob, and the show essentially.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they're all just extensions of each other,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or like their own like fucked up trinity situation <laughs> happening right here. It's like these three are all the fucking yeah. same. So it's interesting how in this particular story she talks about how they're telling Chad like. We can't do it. You know, we made a commitment, but then also saying, well, we're going to pray about it and we're going to talk to mom and dad. And here's what Jill said. The next day, after talking with my parents and praying, we slept on it. Our parents had been supportive, though clear that they wanted us to figure something out with Chad, and even more clear that they thought the shoot was important. It's the, wanted (laughs) Mm -hmm. us to figure out something with Chad.
1: Yeah. It's like Like, he's having chad do the dirty work (laughs) like have the hard conversations so i don't look bad
2: yeah it's jim bob manipulating the situation by trying Mm -hmm. to play both sides it's like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna act like this is between you guys and chad and then play the role of supportive father that's you know like has a listening ear you know (laughs) um but chad is him Oh yeah. Like
0: this
2: th- this story just really stuck out to me as incredibly manipulative.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we we really hope you can work things out with Chad. Chad. Like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like I, I really that sent off like a thing in me mm-hmm. where I was like, oh. And then you know that tactic doesn't work forever, as we'll see. But it's like that's what he was trying to do in the beginning. He was, you see it evolve. But in the yeah. beginning, it was like. Let me not be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, that goes out the, wind- the oh, window. Yeah. But anyways, so Jill and Derek, they're trying to like work out a compromise and nothing's panning out. They're like, can you come and we'll shoot in a hotel, blah, mm. blah you know, all this shit. So finally, Derek is like, we don't have to do shit. We're volunteers and all of this. And that's when Chad writes back, Jill has a contractual obligation. She has to re- return. Mm-hmm. So this is news to Jill and Derek, and they both ask Lego and Chad to send them this apparent contract that Jill has signed that they won't send. And, you know, this is a whole thing going forward. You'll we'll be oh, talking yeah. about it for a oh. while. We'll circle back. But as it draws closer to the photo shoot in Houston, less and less of the correspondence is coming from Chad, and more and more is coming from Jim Bob directly. Mm-hmm.
1: Like he's going to be the one to put the squeeze on because the Chad stuff wasn't working. Wasn't quite working out.
2: The middleman tactic wasn't wasn't panning out anymore. So now it's like getting himself involved. Mm -hmm. And then when his persuasive tactic wasn't working, then he starts guilting them. Is this you or is this Derek who is being the problem here? This isn't like you, sweet Jilly Muffin. Is Derek behind this? Are you having problems financially? Are you depressed? <laughs> oh, man. He's such an asshole. You're not obeying my every word. So you must it must be your husband or and mm. you have to have depression. There is no other possibility. Yep.
1: Yeah. So what you're saying is between Lego and Derek, there's trouble in paradise. There
2: is. <laughs> it's total nightmare on on that.
1: Um it's total nightmare phone. Yes.
2: And if that's not bad enough, just gets worse, oh. because then he starts really piling on the guilt, saying, "If the show gets canceled, again, everyone is going to be looking at you, Jill. There it is. And they're going to know it's your fault, and, and you could have stopped it." Mm. Quote: "Are you going to be okay carrying that burden?"
1: There's so there, there's so many layers to he, what he's trying to do. He's
2: such a fucking prick. Like. <sighs> And and that's what I hate even more is that like on the show, it's just like, hey, hey, like he's just like this fucking buffoon. A
1: buffoon, yeah. And
2: then it's like, but no, you're really a, f- a manipulative asshole. Like, I'm not saying he's smart, but he's mm. manipulative.
0: Yeah.
1: And think about it. When you have a, when you're growing up in a system where everything you say is, is. Gospel. <laughs> I knew that was coming. That's what I was waiting um. Yeah, you're not used to people even questioning anything. So when you have this where they're like...
2: He's fucking tripping balls over mm-hmm. it. Yeah.
1: And you see him devolve. Like, I made the joke in the first part about how he's emotionally a child. You see that oh, yeah. on display.
2: So after he, you know, piles on her with the... Are you going to be okay carrying that burden? Derek tried to pipe up and Lego cuts him off saying, Let me talk to you for a minute, Derek. Because you are causing your wife to go against her word. Is that what you're going to do? Make her break her word? (laughs) If so, let me tell you that you're failing your family and leading them down a path of destruction. Are you prepared for that? Do you know what happens if you break a legally binding contract?
1: That I tricked you into (laughs) signing? Yeah.
2: So... They don't give him what he wants, which makes him even more angry. And he tells them they're going to need whatever money they have because they're going to be sued. Mm-hmm. So they stop answering his calls and eventually turn off their phones entirely. And And this is where the fear and anxiety really sets in for Jill.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: In Shiny Happy People, when she said she feared stepping off the plane and being arrested, this conversation with him threatening her is where that all stemmed from Mm because she was like what am I even up against she has no fucking clue she doesn't even know what she's she doesn't know this contract she doesn't know Mm -hmm. shit but Jill woke up the morning of the shoot that they were supposed to be at feeling different she's specific to that it wasn't necessarily better but different (laughs) um but quote for the first time in my life it felt like I was standing up for myself
1: Mm -hmm. in still in an pretty amicable way. Oh, yeah. They were trying so hard to like be diplomatic in mm-hmm. all of this, and you instantly see like the attacking is only coming from one side. Mm,
2: exactly. Shortly after, Lego and Canon just show up in El Salvador, completely unannounced, and just to make it even worse, because that's what they do, Lego had a camera in hand filming it all. Jill said, quote, my sweet jilly muffin mask wasn't appearing on command. Derek was stunned too. Such a dick move. Yep. I'm going to harass you and threaten you, and then surprise. Hmm. Oh, it's like you know, we're it's like the we're okay, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Right? We're all right. Like, yep. it's it's totally trying to test the waters of just mm-hmm. like, but it, we're we're like fine, right?
1: Yeah. If she has to look at me, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. It's she won't. How it yeah. Feels. And you see this through this part where she talks a lot about the things that she grew up learning how to do, which was like putting on the face and, you know, like all of the things that she had been taught when it came to how to deal with your parents, where it's like you put on the facade, you put the show on, you Mm -hmm. talk a certain way. She talks a lot through this entire part where she was like, those things weren't happening anymore. Yeah. So it's interesting to watch.
2: Yep. And... You know, with the surprise reunion, I find his his wording mm. an important thing to note. Apparently, he said, I realized I was a little harsh. I'm sorry for some of the things I said. <laughs> some. Do you notice? Some <laughs> of the things I said. So... It's while Jill and Derek are back in Arkansas for some planned weddings and other events and then they can get a bunch of filming done and kind of gets them off their backs. (laughs) Um, It ends up being extended because Jill is now pregnant again Mm -hmm. and there's Zika virus concerns. Mm -hmm. So it's during this extended time home that Lego ends up calling a family meeting and he announces that each of the kids are going to be given $80,000 with explanations such as you know, to help move on with life and, you know, just like things like that. It could help you, you know, like start businesses and things. And he says that everyone can thank Derek for this. Of course, all of her other siblings are thrilled. Mm-hmm. But Jill and Derek are feeling triggered by that comment.
1: Understandably. So it's
2: like taking them back to the fuck. Like, mm-hmm. and then they're confused because, is this a gift is it back payment for mm-hmm. the work they've already done being on the show like what exactly is this money and of course there's a catch couple catches actually <laughs> first they're once again told not to discuss it with each other quote if you have any issues don't go stirring up contention in the brethren you come to me he said the second catch you get the eighty thousand dollars you know, just as long as you sign some papers he'd drawn up.
1: It's like mob tactics. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> like, you yeah exactly. I mean? um, in these papers, there's just a few things, you know, no big deal, really. Don't even read
1: them. Yeah, it's fine. I yeah. mean,
2: just that for the next seven years, plus an unlimited number of years beyond that, if the company chose. I mean, why even mention the seven? Just say unlimited. Um <laughs> you're committing not just yourself but your children and any future children because you know there will be future children in this <laughs> in this litter uh, um yeah that that you're all like you're all, you all you are signing to be a part of it
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, you know but hey hey this time they're going to be paid but and a big but <laughs> like a big ol ass um <laughs> At a rate to be accepted without any negotiation. Mm,
1: No big whoops. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh, and the just one tiny matter of signing an NDA that would be active for the rest of your life. No biggie. All of this, you know, just very normal
1: legal (laughs) mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Don't
2: even don't even worry about it. Here's a pen. I mean, just small, minuscule prices to pay for eighty thousand whole dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, would I be thrilled to be given eighty thousand dollars right now? Yes, but in of the course. context of the grand scheme of everything they've done, everything that's expected out of them, and everything they're signing
1: away—that mm-hmm.
2: ain't jack shit, nothing. Yep.
1: And also, why is the NDA such a big, important part of it? Yep. If you're going to give this and it's because you feel like we deserve it and we've spent a lot of our lives on film and, you know, doing all of these things that you're obligated to, why in India? It's
2: only, the $80,000 is only to serve as hush money. He felt Mm -hmm. everything, the noose tightening around like, oh man, I'm starting to lose control. Mm -hmm. I can regain control by being generous and then also having them sign away the shit where they can't ever talk shit about me. It's just like, it's hush money.
1: It's also the the safety valve of because he brought up Derek as the reason, if they deny it and they don't want to sign that and they don't want to take that money that makes Derek look like an asshole and that makes him be like, I'm just trying to be generous and they denied my gen- – you know what I mean?
2: Well, so surprisingly, a few Duggar siblings actually break the rule a, a little bit mm-hmm. and they end up asking jill if she's going to sign so they are talking about it with each other Woo!
1: among the brethren
2: wild <laughs> Duggar's gone wild <laughs> so J- jill is sort of surprised to find out that her siblings like pretty much the consensus seems to be that they're fine with signing it with some with just a few small edits she doesn't say what those edits are mm-hmm. But um, she may be surprised, but I'm certainly not (laughs) surprised. (laughs) Ultimately, Jill and Derek end up not signing. But Lego Hair actually ends up giving them their $80,000 anyway. Mm -hmm. Like they were like holding out, holding out. They were just like, we're not. And then he ends up just being like, well, here you go. We we decided. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. that's another tactic. Now let me just look super generous and then Mm -hmm. you'll be guilted again. Mm -hmm. And so Jill said, thank you, Pops. I meant it, but I wasn't rejoicing. Somehow Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like the end of the story.
1: Look at all those strings attached.
2: I don't think it's hard to imagine that Jill was probably the only one who didn't sign. (laughs) Do we know for a fact? Uh, Of course not. But signs are pointing to everyone else else having signed the NDA and Mm -hmm. filming commitment. And the thing about it is even if that NDA isn't really enforceable... You know, like, there's, like, mm. loopholes, and there's different things, and, like, whatever. Ultimately, the only thing that really matters is that the, is that the kids think it's enforceable.
1: Mm-hmm. You just Control.
2: Yeah. You got to keep them scared. It doesn't even fucking matter. As long as they think it's a huge fucking deal. Yep. That's the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a bit and now Jill and Derek are back in El Salvador and they are in the final stages of essentially the hiring process of the International Mission Board, which is the same organization that Derek had served his Nepal mission with. Mm-hmm. And the process with them is really long and slow. And and by the way, this is all new information. I know because like you don't necessarily know kind of what we knew or don't know. Mm-hmm. This is all like brand new. And IMB is asking them like do you have commitments like is the show going to be an issue and the dillards are eager and they want this really bad so kind of without hesitation they just say oh yeah we'll we'll gladly quit the show that's not a problem Mm -hmm. which she's like we'd never she's like it's kind of something we'd both kind of been talking about for a year but it was she was it it basically sounds like in that moment they were both like and they were like well i guess that just happened like Yeah, yeah, yeah So, to move forward now with them, they just need to provide IMB with something in writing, showing that they're not obligated to the show anymore.
1: Here comes the fight.
2: So, they let Lego and Canon know that they don't want to film anymore, and as well as TLC. Mm-hmm. And they keep the whole IMB thing to themselves. And surprisingly, the actual leaving of the show didn't seem to be too huge of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it kind of seemed like they just kind of left. Like, you know, so it actually seems like that wasn't, you'd think that that might be more of a fight, but no, it just kind of happened.
1: And at this point, it was still Jill and Jessa counting on? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. So the real problem was that neither Chad or Jim Bob would still send them their full contract with TLC. They still only have a small portion of it, And have yet to ever produce it in its entirety to them. Mm -hmm. And even having decided not to sign Lego's contract, leaving the show, and still not getting what they needed, you know, from him to give to IMB, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Jill is still trying. She's still trying to have a relationship with her parents. Yep. Nobody can ever say that girl didn't try. In fact, she's actually with her parents when her water breaks which leads us to the birth of Samuel. Mm -hmm. So the details of his birth, um, this was all new information. The most we knew previously was that she'd had like a hard birth. She just kind of like mentioned that in like one of their videos one time or something. Mm -hmm. But turns out she actually had a uterine rupture and she had a hole in her uterus the size of Derek's fist is how he described it Mm -hmm. and almost died having lost half her blood volume. And I was crying as she described like the pain and screaming and then not Mm -hmm. realizing for a minute that like she was the one screaming yep and then suddenly remembering that she'd had an epidural so if she was in this much pain Mm -hmm. like something was like seriously wrong yeah um The,
1: the moment that she talks about that like started to get me was that even through all of that she heard the voice of her one of the doctors or midwives or whoever was involved in that who was very supportive and very had a very specific way of talking she was like the flip in her voice from being supportive to being super concerned and focused and serious like jill
2: we need to bubble yeah shit's going down yeah so they have to get um the baby out as soon as possible so they're giving her shots of local anesthetic as they cut her open Mm -hmm. and i was a mess at this part where she because she said she thought to herself, this is it, Jill. This is where you and the baby die. This is the end. There's no more need to tough it out. Which is in reference to her being told her whole life that suffering was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And that toughing it out was just a part of serving God. Yeah. And through all the bad parts of pregnancy or childbirth or whatever it is, she had always told herself, tough it out, Jill. This is what it means to be a mom.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, but, like, the reason I'm getting even more emotional besides the fact that I just even that in itself is that it, it makes me really sad and really angry. Because I th- I think sometimes it gets lost just how much women, like, risk their lives to be mothers. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's a happy thing and I'm not saying we need to sit here and dwell on the rest of it every, money- <laughs> every minute of every day and, like, add, str- you know, like, stress to the situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the reality is women... They, I mean, they risk themselves to become mothers, and don't even get me fucking started on after you're like actually give birth and become a mother. I get on my fucking soapbox all day about how a woman is never the same again. She's gonna worry for the rest of her life. You, yeah. everything about you changes forever. You give up your body, you give up your mind. You get, you give up everything to become a mother,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the society is not generally supportive enough for all of that. So don't even get me started on that, on all that stuff. But just talking about literally bringing a baby into the world. A mother is risking her life, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and thanks to modern medicine, there's a lot that can be done, like with Jill, but the risk is still there, and it still happens, and just hearing things like Jill's story makes me more mad that this Mm -hmm. cult teaches that you're supposed to have children forever, Mm -hmm. forever and ever, and just till you can't anymore. And only God can open and close the womb and, you know, fuck the woman's health, fuck the lasting effects it has on her mentally, physically, Mm -hmm. fuck her life. The only thing that matters is having as many kids as possible. Mm Like, the the woman never matters. So, you know, she's here to hype up, honor, obey her authority, pop out kids and repeat. That's your role. Mm -hmm. And just hearing her her whole experience to just really like replay that all i'm like and that's they don't care that that's this huge thing that could happen Mm -hmm. and that she could have fucking died they'll be like and when's the next one which we'll get to but Mm -hmm. that that could happen to one of them and literally in their cult it's just like and when's the next blessing like
1: yeah and it reminds me of that of him being like if you deny this you're not you're you're my generosity like you're the asshole in this it's also that same idea like if you don't have any more kids that's on you like you're a bad member of this group because you're not adhering to that it's like there's lots of reasons why people either don't want to have children or can't have children or don't want to have any more children there's lots of reasons that doesn't make them a horrible person yeah and i i think it's that idea of that from an outside perspective the social the social stressor is the fact of like Oh, well, she's not accepting God's blessing. Yeah. And I, I think through all of this part, when she's talking through the physical challenges and the, and obviously the medical trauma and all these things that she was going through, all of it was underlaid by a level of religious guilt. And I feel like that's, you know, she talks about like, this is the point. There you go. You're, you know, you don't have to tough it out anymore. Now I'm going to get sad. Um, but the reason why i i think there was also a level of like all of the bullshit that was happening with there. Yeah. She was like whoop that's over too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And i think as sad as it is there's a little bit of like <sighs> to it. Mm-hmm. And that's sad.
2: Well, I, I i'll I'll keep this short so we don't get too far off track, but i think of like i had a friend who has two children. She had pretty bad postpartum depression with the first and Mm -hmm. horrific postpartum depression with the second Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and like she she and her husband were just like it would literally i they're like she's like i know my life would be at risk because of mentally where she was at if i Mm -hmm. had another child and what are you ultimately doing to those two other children too if Mm -hmm. you go on to have more children for the sake of having children and Mm -hmm. something bad happens because she knows like she shouldn't have more children Mm -hmm. and i just think of someone's if going through that in this type of circle, and just, like... Oh, that's never considered. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I this is, such a, this is actually such a small part of her book, but, like, it just really got me thinking about just the whole breeding thing of the whole mm-hmm. cult, and it just really got me really upset. Yeah. Anyways, I'm going to try to move on. <laughs> okay, but also on that note, like, Michelle is so lucky to not have had these kinds of experience like she's been pregnant 437 times and you will see some complications in the future but up to the point of what we're watching right now she's been Mm -hmm. through how many fucking pregnancies Mm -hmm. and it's crazy to me that she hasn't had more complications and so it's like it's easy for people like that to sit there and be like just have more right just just keep going because you know Mm -hmm. oh we're, we're we put it in the lord's hands well it's like yeah easy for you to fucking say yeah who's have It's amazing you've not had more complications. Mm-hmm. It's like, statistically, it's... Blows my mind.
0: Yeah.
2: Any So, as if the traumatic birth wasn't enough, Lego managed to weasel his way into the hospital, even though he wasn't on the approved visitors list. People <sighs> at the hospital just, you know... He's Jim Bob Duggar, after yeah. all, so they just, like, let him in.
0: hmm
2: And... They weren't on terrible terms with him at this at this point. Like I said, they were actually with them the night that her water broke.
0: Mm-hmm. Like out
2: for ice cream or something or whatever. But still, it's not okay. And Derek is playing like nicey-nice. Not making his surprise visit like a huge deal. When Lego shows him a text from Chad that says, Get me a picture of that baby. And so Derek texts Chad separately and tells him, don't be asking people for pictures of my children. you mm-hmm. You're making me uncomfortable and Chad plays dumb and says, "I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't I haven't asked anybody for pictures of your children" meanwhile he saw it on his fucking screen. Yep. Like he showed him.
1: Yep. I already didn't like Chad from the get-go and like the more that things happen, I'm just like, "God, you're oh, you're that person." Yep.
2: So this next part I had to include because it backs up my rant earlier. So, like I said Samuel's birth um his complications were majorly down like on the down low. Mm-hmm. She didn't want it to end up in a magazine or something, yep. so she wasn't telling many people around her, like even like family friends and stuff like the details and a friend- a friend asked if she was healing up, and Jill just tells her that you know it was rough, and she doesn't know if she's going to be able to have more kids and Lego was around. Ugh. And being the asshole that he is, chimed in and said, we don't know for sure now, do we? Jill said, quote, he was looking right at me, smiling. He meant well, I guess. But in that moment, I was mad. I wanted to ask him why he thought he had the right to comment about my uterus. But I bit the words back. But it's because, like I was just saying, a woman's entire worth in their cult is popping out kids Mm -hmm. so he doesn't want her counting it out um Mm -hmm. too soon like he's just like no well we don't know that yet yeah no concern for what she just went through her Mm -hmm. health her well-being her like her health physically mentally all of the above Mm -hmm. we're not sure yet we don't want to count that out
1: it's none of your like it's none of your business like kind of i understand that's your child it's but it's none of your goddamn business. business. Their
2: reproduction is none of your goddamn business.
0: Mhm.
2: Um so she said it was triggering because it invalidated her feelings but also brought up the guilt that she'd been trying to work through for years now because after Israel, she used birth control. Mhm. Because following a C-section, she knew that she needed to not get pregnant so quickly mm-hmm. let her body heal. Um Which, of course, you know, that's shameful, putting herself and her health before pumping out babies. Like
1: Selfish. (laughs) That's what it is. It's selfish.
2: (laughs) It's like she's this grown-ass adult who she and her husband agreed together that it's not wrong to use birth control, which was a huge step for her to even get to that point, Mm -hmm. to be like, you know what? This isn't wrong, even though I've been taught it my entire life. It's okay, but it was so against everything she'd ever been taught. That understandably so. It still brings that twinge of guilt. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a reflex. Like yeah. you might know something logically, and you wouldn't do anything any different. But letting go of something so deeply ingrained in you is—it's tough, and it—it it, it leaves its mark on you in the form of guilt.
1: Mm-hmm. Like because it affects every yes. decision you make. It affects your train of thought. Because she talks about that later on, too, where she was like, I caught myself going back to that old. I would have these thoughts and then instantly go back to the old script. Yep. And then be like, oh, wait, I'm not there anymore. Like, I'm in a different place as a person.
2: That's where I feel like the word, like, deprogramming comes into play. Because Mm -hmm. there's your logical thing. And then there's deprogramming, I feel like, goes into, like, the trying to work through that reflex aspect Mm -hmm. of it. Just that automatic where you're just like... uh, Wait, I know this, but this is still, it's still bringing this up, you know? Of course. So now I want to shift the focus to Jill's changing beliefs and convictions. As she describes the church um, she and Derek attended, she notes of how they didn't focus on authority and children obeying their parents well into adulthood. Mm -hmm. Things of that nature. But my favorite part is where she says, "How I, by IBLP standards, it would be considered a worldly church, or quote, or as my dad once said, a two kid church."
1: There it is. Yep.
2: <laughs> because if you yep. only have two kids, you are not doing it right. Mm-mm. You are not Christian enough.
1: <laughs> yep, I am way more, more pious than you are because I have more children yep. than you.
2: I mean, what are your? You are you're an only child. What would he? What would he say?
1: I am an abomination. <laughs>
2: So much like Ginger described in her book, Jill took notice of the women there at church. The pastor's <laughs> wife wore pants.
0: Oh, <laughs>
2: and I w- just, If
1: I had a drink, I would have done a spit take right now.
2: And a woman on her worship team even had a nose ring. I-, I thought it was kind of funny how when she broached the topic of pants with Derek, she found herself kind of annoyed at first that he wouldn't just like say yeah it's wrong
1: <laughs> <laughs> once again going back to your old mindset yeah yeah.
2: she said quote it wasn't fair but somewhere deep inside of me there was a part that part of me that wanted Derek to tell me that pants were wrong just like pops always had growing up having the world divided into thou shalt's and thou shalt nots by pops or IBLP ideology made life appear easier
1: mm. I had
2: which is Exactly. It. That's what
1: I was gonna say. Yeah.
2: I had grown up believing that if I just followed the rules, I would be okay. Hmm. I guess that belief started to crumble when I learned that Pops had manipulated me into signing the contract. Maybe authority wasn't always totally trustworthy.
1: Yep. Get if it, that's, girl. Yeah. If that's what happened, what else is what else that he's talked about hasn't been what he's pushing? Mm-hmm. You know.
2: It made me think of how, even though it was clearly something she'd already been, you know, thinking about on her own to (laughs) even bring (laughs) it up in the first place, thinking through something and forming an opinion on it was still such a new concept for her Mm. and clearly overwhelming. Even having rolled it around in her own head a little bit, she was still struggling to not just be told it was wrong. Because not only is that a new mindset and concept but i think deep down she knew that that that's opening pandora's box to a lot of things she may not be ready to deal with you know like once you decide that one thing might not be quite right what's next mm-hmm. which is exactly why they don't want you to question anything because
1: mm-hmm. that's, talk what they're, to anybody that's what or, they're afraid
2: mm-hmm. of um And the thought of possibly starting to evaluate everything you've ever been taught is no doubt, like, an incredibly overwhelming thought. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's just like, just fucking tell me pants are bad so I can just, like, (laughs) not have to deal with all this shit. (laughs) While we're talking about, like, changing convictions i thought it was wild that the first time she ever decided to wear leggings which has to be the worst kind of pants right because it's like skin tight like i mean she just really went for it that first she, time around you know? she
1: dove into the satan sauna you know
2: <laughs> the, that the very first time she wears pants she wore them to silver dollar city and they ran into her family
1: God.
2: but somehow she managed to keep them from seeing <laughs> i was like that all and she was like I was more exhausted than any time I ever went as a kid yeah.
1: it was like a movie where it was like they were constantly trying to like make sure that they weren't around them and,
2: and when she talks about there being like she's like I was grateful for the low hedge when they were in line and like saw them in <laughs> line and stuff like she's like we were feet away from each other but there was like a hedge in the way or something
1: It's like Um, a it's like a cartoon where she's like keep finding ways like they bought something really big from the gift shop so she had a giant bag next to her. It's like in the
2: nanny when um Lauren Lane, uh when Cece Babcock is pregnant. Yeah. They but they make it into a joke in the show where it's, mm-hmm. like, because they're trying to, like, so she carries, like, this gigantic bag. Hercia. Or, like, in one episode, she keeps, like, bringing in, like, boards of stuff. It's, like, it feels <laughs> like that would have been. It would have just been, like, Jill walking around with something on her lower half, like, <laughs> all around Silver City. Silver Dollar City.
1: Oh, man. But it's,
2: like, what are the odds of <laughs> the very first oh, time no you ever kidding. do that? And then it's, like, you run into your fucking parents.
1: And but, she bring Go ahead.
2: But then you also kind of get away with it mm-hmm. for At first, before a fan photo Mm -hmm. gets put on the internet and then everybody, you know, runs with it. But
1: But she brings that up where, like, she talked about how she was... The feelings going into that day knowing that it was going to be, like, her reveal were were complicated because she was like at first i felt really good and then i was a little embarrassed and she kind of went back and forth and then her family is there and that's a whole other thing yeah, so it was like they kind of girl. they ruined her debut they
2: did you know? dude it was her fucking fashion debut and um so i had a friend in the beginning of high when i was in high school that Beginning of freshman year, like, I I had only met her, she was apostolic, so she had never cut her hair, and mm. she always wore skirts and, like, whatever, and all of a sudden, one day, she got off the bus, I was waiting for her, I always waited for her to get off the bus, and it was a mm. Monday morning, and she got off the bus... And she put her hands like out straight, like in the air, like her arms out. She had her hair cut, it was straightened, and she was wearing purple jeans, Converse, and a black v neck. And she, it was like, and she had her arms out, and it was like, I have fucking arrived. Look at me,
1: world. Yeah. And I'm like,
2: that was supposed to be Jill's moment. And then Mm. this is how it went down.
1: (laughs) Go figure. Lego ruined it. Again, Mm. that's what he does. Yeah. As one as Legos do,
2: as they do, as three hundred nine as three nine zero ones do. <laughs> so because it you know hit the hit the media, he of course finds out and he calls her over, <sighs> and you know does what he does and he guilts her over it. Were you wearing pants? And she's like, kind of. Well, leggings. <laughs> like, I thought
1: that was funny. I mean, she wore leggings before. She just had a skirt over it. True. So, so she's mm-hmm. like,
2: was nothing, nothing, nothing <laughs> out of the, the ordinary. Yet. I mean. Also, not missing a chance to try to pit his children against each other. Oh. All doing this, he's praising Ginger for having told them first and pointing it out in the Bible why she believed it was okay to wear pants. Jill said, quote, I felt like he was finding me guilty of a double sin. Not just wearing pants, but failing to meet the standards Ginger had set when she told them.
1: There is one, I don't remember if it was before this or after, but I I think it was leading up to like her her debut. She talked about reading, like reading those scriptures that were so pushed on this is why they did these things when she was younger or why they dressed a certain way when she was younger. So it's, it's not like she didn't do the work. And I think, but
2: I don't even think you have to. I, I think agree that's besides with you. the point.
1: I agree with you. But if you grow up in that system of control and you, cause she talks about it, she's like, I wasn't doing it to like be rebellious. Like this was a, a way of me kind of like working through some, some very controlling like dogma that I used to, you know, live through and. I think that was my part, was that she did do that work. She did whatever work she decided she had to do, like I said. But it wasn't
2: presented to him, and that's what matters. That's
1: exactly what it is.
2: Um, Because it's like what we've talked about many times over the course of this podcast. There's always some higher standard you're not living up to. But it's just even more extra here in this case, because the standard Jill is failing to meet isn't even in accordance with his beliefs, Mm-hmm. It's just a way to tack on more guilt and shame mm-hmm. by comparing her to Ginger. Yep. So now it's like, well, yeah, they're both not doing what you want, but it's mm-hmm. like, well, let me still find a way to be like, well, you're still doing it. Like she said, double wrong. Um, and, and to use another one of your kids to like to put them against each other. Yeah. As a compare, like it's par for the course, but it's fucking terrible. And um.
1: And it's. Not just a single thing he shows that this oh, is yeah, a this is a, this later is a pattern. On. Yep. this is
2: like a mm-hmm. this is kind of the opener, yep. but that's what he does. He uses his children to his benefit. so it's like, well, well now i can use ginger for this benefit against so it doesn't even matter they're all just a fucking pawn in his game yep.
1: and when they were deciding not to be on the show and he was like well you know you could you could ruin this ministry like are you willing to do that for your for the rest of the family like he was using his children then to be like do you want them to not <laughs> grow up with what you had Yeah. You know.
2: and i do want to say you, you you won't see this till way in the future because it's not until counting on and, you know, Ginger's married. So we're very far away out. But when Ginger starts wearing pants, because she was already wearing pants, that's why he was like, oh, well, she called and told us. Mm
0: -hmm. In the
2: episode where they talk about it, where they discuss that, she's in a talking head with Michelle. And Ginger starts to like tear up and stuff. And Michelle's just does her smiley face and was just like, you know, you know, our kids may have different convictions from us. So they're selling it the way that this was actually what we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Remember how Jill was like, you know, my parents always made it sound like you might make different decisions. So I really thought when we got there that like
1: that, that, that's, would, be okay.
2: that would be. And then she's like, and then that wasn't the case.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What it was on that episode was exactly that. Michelle was selling that. We're just like, you know, they just have different convictions and that's OK. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, she's like, yeah, Ginger had told her, yep, they gave me crap.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: it was behind closed doors but it's like yeah ginger was crying because ultimately she knew her parents were still disappointed in her
1: 100 that's why she's crying absolutely
2: it's not just like a difference in decisions no you guys fucking guilted her over it so don't mm-hmm. don't act like so it's funny that they they still did that to ginger but then to jill it's just like well you know ginger <laughs> like fuck off yeah um but jill does exactly what he asked when she decides to go get her nose pierced.
0: <laughs>
2: and she calls and luckily she gets his voicemail. And this is where things really take a turn. I know we've had several things where we're like, oh, this kind of takes a turn. This is like mm-hmm. where it like really <laughs> takes a turn. Um, the nose ring is a, it's, it's what really, it's what really did her in. He tells her she's making a huge mistake in ruining her life. Mm-hmm. Think of the example it sets for your little sisters. Once again, using his children as pawns in his game. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that when she talks to Michelle, like later, she's like, "Oh, I'm so glad you didn't answer his calls. He was not in a good state of mind." Is he ever? (laughs) Right. But for her to say that, to admit that, like, because the way the women just never say anything, like, of course that must mean that he was losing his ever-loving mind.
1: Fly on the like, wall, Yeah, man. Like,
2: like full fucking rage, I'm sure. And it doesn't stop there. He continues to text her for days, sending verses about honoring thy father and thy mother, <laughs> sometimes apologizing, and then immediately getting right back to spewing the same bullshit again. Mm-hmm. Um, and go figure, he gets her siblings involved at times, too, to deliver his messages. Those little fucking soldiers.
1: (laughs) I was just thinking using the the script sending scriptures like that with like no context and then adding on to it is the epitome of like being on Facebook and putting vague Vague lyrics to a song and (laughs) not saying anything about it.
2: There's just like a cross. It's like one of those blurry pictures of a cross (laughs) and then it's got like the script on it. And yep. Um But, yeah, so, like, with the kids delivering the the message for him and stuff, Mm -hmm. and, like, also using them as, like, well, you think of your little sisters. Right. That's a huge takeaway for me in all of this. First, teaching them to have shallow relationships and not talk to each other beyond surface bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then using them as tools against each other to try to maintain your control over them. It's just, it's fucking disgusting.
1: Keep them in the dark and you can use them like that. So... I was thinking a lot when I was in college. I was, I worked a lot when I was, um, at U of A. And I remember one of the years, I think it was my sophomore year of college, I got a very big tax return. And I'm in college, so I'm like, hell yeah, this is great. It was like five (laughs) hundred and eighty-six dollars.
2: You're like, it's very large, and you're like five hundred dollars. Yeah,
1: I was pumped, right? So I put most of it away, use it to pay bills, but I was like, you know what, I do want to do something for myself. My friend George had um a tattoo artist that he used a lot down in Tucson. I don't know if the artist still does it, but it was a shop that was called Enchanted Dragon. And I loved it. It was a great story. But I remember telling myself, if I ever got a tattoo, it would have to mean something to me. Like I don't want to walk in and point at a board and say, I want that. And then that's what they put. Like I wanted it to be something meaningful. So I did some work. I knew what I wanted. I knew what art I wanted, a vague idea. I went and talked to the the tattoo artist who his name was named David. And I talked to him. I sent him the pictures He he was like, let me work a couple things and I'll get back to you in a couple days. So, I went to the shop a couple days later. He was like, cool, this is my idea. We went through it. Anyway, I used like $280 of my tax return to get a tattoo on my left forearm. And I remember I was, same thing, going to school, doing blah, blah, blah. But the first time that I was coming home, I remember I had planned to come home that weekend and I remember being like, man, should I say something or should I not? And I remember I texted my mom and sent her a picture. And I remember she called me later, like the day that I was coming back, which is a Friday. And she was like, I didn't tell your dad. And I'm like, okay. And I, I didn't know what to expect because like neither one of my parents had a tattoo at the time. But there was also no like... I didn't know how my my parents felt about it, and Catholic Mexican parents are very interesting about the way they feel about stuff kind of like this. So I remember getting home, and my dad didn't talk to me for a while, like, when he saw it. He saw it and just kind of, like, nodded, and then didn't talk to me for, like, a day. And I remember not understanding, like it's something that's really personal it's something that's important to me the art is really beautiful i don't understand why this is that big of a deal and we've never gotten to the bottom of it but i do it's that same idea of like why are you treating me this way like am i a different person am i an awful person am i am i bad now yeah am, if I'm gonna do this, does this mean that I'm gonna go and rob a liquor store? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like I empathized a lot with this, where I'm like, I I feel like I got a lot of judgment straight out for literally getting a a picture tattooed on my form. That was that was beautiful and tasteful. And, and the meant irony meant is that
2: now he has a tattoo. So the uh, irony. Yeah. Oh, parents. <laughs> So, despite all this, Jill still tries to salvage things while still being direct at the same time.
1: While being a horrible person.
2: Oh Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Um, telling him how much she loves him and she wants a relationship despite their differences. But his verbal abuse and manipulation, quote, makes me want to shy away from any type of conversation. And I'm really proud of her for that. She's being very clear that she wants a relationship, but his behavior and treatment of her is not okay.
1: Boundaries.
2: And that can be hard for anyone to articulate and mm-hmm. set that line, let alone someone who grew up in such an authoritarian mm. environment. So it's like, good for fucking her. It's like, mm-hmm. good job, Jilly Muffin. <laughs> if she, I wonder what, we should give her a new breakfast pastry name. <laughs> she like Jilly Scone?
1: Well, it does need to be something um, not from the U.S. because it's worldly.
2: Something gr- I just think something like very grown up, <laughs> Jilly Croissant.
1: Croissant. That's what was going through my head.
2: But uh, good job, Jilly Croissant. <laughs> she said, "Quote: He hated the hunk of metal in my nose. He despised how I was dressing in ways that put sexual thoughts in guys' mind. Those leggings, man. Um, instead of sweet Jilly Muffin, I was Jilly Croissant. No, I'm sorry." <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was now a threat to the rest of his children and a threat to his authority. Mhm. And that's definitely what it's really about. Yep. <laughs> he's spiraling out because he's losing control of her mm. and he doesn't want his other kids to see that and get any ideas.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> that's the real issue here. He doesn't want them to see like independence or disobedience or any other ends. Mm-hmm. Um that's a danger to him, you know? Yep. Like mm-hmm that's what it all is yep so jill and derek end up losing the opportunity with imb because they could never produce a release of their contract from tlc to them and mm-hmm. they waited around for like fucking ever um chad and lego would only give them snippet information and she said it would be like in bullet points just like in emails it was never a doc the contract it was never yep. the actual document and it let alone in full Um, And I was I was filled with fucking rage for them when Lego he finds out about the whole thing, because, like I said, they'd been keeping that like to themselves. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, you should have told me I probably could. You know, we could have worked something out when it's like what would have helped would have been you giving me the information that that I was asking for. That would have helped but it's like you're always being fucking sneaky and you're always being a fucking snake.
1: I feel like I relate to that one a lot. There's a situation that I won't go into at this point. I was very much same we are we are We're thinking And it was about- when <laughs> when what I'll tell it at some point, but when it when it came out to people that were in our family, they were all very much like Looking at my parents, going, "Are you serious?" Yeah. And that was the exact terminology they used. It was that same energy well, of we, like, "Well, we were just, bl- we were, we told them that blah blah yeah, blah." Okay, and so it's like, I'm mm. I'm
2: glad we thought of the exact same thing because as I was writing that, that exact same situation came to mind for me, and it's not the same, but it's the same vibe, the same it's energy. The, it's the same, like, "Well, we, if you would have just told us, and yep. it's like, we fucking told you." Yeah, it's, I'm it's, fucking
1: it's, angry it's right it's fucking now because inferior. my hand Hands are sweating. Like I can feel myself getting mad about it.
2: Did you have that same reaction when you were reading the book or just now? Oh, absolutely. Like going, oh, okay. Absolutely. Because I was just like, Oh yeah, I know that feel so we know this feeling well where it's like, No 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 no, you know what have yeah. actually would have helped? Mm-hmm.
1: Because once again, it's not about actually helping. It's about looking like, like you were trying yeah, to help. Yeah, it's
2: looking good. So at the end, you can be like, yeah, well, uh, yeah, if Ugh. you would have just told us, things could have been different. It's like, that's not the case at all. That's nope. not what's actually happening here. Can you tell we're triggered? Oh,
1: 100%. <laughs> My hands are sweaty.
2: Uh, <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> um, so then for them to end up finding out that the... So Chad had told them, like, this june 2019 date as being the end of their contract with tlc mm-hmm. when they end up actually finding out it was a full year earlier in june of 2018 and had they <laughs> known that they could have been good to go with imb yep that fucking sucks
0: mm. again
2: i have my feelings about you know missionary work and like whatever of but course. just for them as people who were wanting to do something and they got fucked over that fucking sucks yep like that could have changed everything for them. Mm-hmm. And you're you guys are assholes. Yep. So now we get to the tax stuff. Because of a letter sent to the Dillard's by the IRS, they find out that Jill's taxes showed her as being paid far more than the $80,000 payout she received. So in a nutshell, For years and years, Lego and his CPA were filing taxes for each of the kids Mm -hmm. with a declared number of income that they never actually received. It actually, um, down the road, but we can bring it up now, um, it actually even ends up affecting Derek's financial aid for law school, Mm -hmm. which he's now going full steam ahead on because since the mission stuff got all fucked up because on paper according to the government you you look like you make a lot more than you actually do because mm-hmm. that's literally what you're telling the government
1: you made correct
2: so in typical lego fashion when they begin asking questions you know questioning it and mm-hmm. he tells them he he notices a spirit of ungratefulness in them yes they're supposed to be super fucking grateful right mm. now like you asshole um it's like if you question any single thing, he just goes on the attack. Mm-hmm. He, What's he the way that deep. I can
1: needle you the most that'll make you stop?
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Any, any the slightest little bit of question, and it's just like, let me cut you deep. Um, but, you know, he also wants to put an end to these questions, so he asks them what they feel like they're owed. Much... Very much like earlier when he was like, "What are you worth? You know, ten dollars, twelve dollars an hour. What you, what you, what are you worth?"
1: Such a fucking toolbag, God. It's the
2: same. It's the same vibe all over <sighs> again. It's and which is the same thing he did before: insults them and then mm-hmm. is like, "Okay, well, what are you worth?" It's like, well, "How can I pay you off? What What do you need? What do you need to shut the fuck up and go away?"
1: Mob tactics once again.
2: Yep. So now is when we we get to them all going to mediation, which is. Basically, so two episodes ago in the beginning when I gave the excerpt uh, that was, you know, before the book release, yep. that's a pretty good summary of it. So just remember that. <laughs> it's I remember
1: a, reading this and being like, how do I know this already? And I'm like, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a, That's just a pretty good summary of the whole thing. Basically, it did not go well. <sighs> no. They don't even get to talk about any of the things that they wanted to hash out, like the money, for example. And at the end, the mediator is like, you guys need therapy, yo. Like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which it kind of sounds like the mediator didn't really do shit yeah. in any of that conversation. So yes, there was a third party in the room, but there was nothing that was they they weren't playing a role in this. Yeah. And obviously Lego didn't respect this mediator enough to actually like come to try to do anything productive. And not get
2: up and wag his finger in Jill's face. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. So they start attending therapy intending to work toward reconciling with their parents, which illustrates once again, how Jill is always the one trying to mend this relationship. That's yep. why she went, she was like, Oh, okay, I need therapy. Okay, how do I have a relationship with my parents? Yeah. And the therapist is like, Yeah, you need to work on you first, yeah. <laughs> which is wonderful and a totally foreign idea to her because she's like, Oh, me first? Like, oh, you know, it's like, she, she was there. I. It just goes to show. Like, and her heart was in the right place. She's going there to be like, I want to. I want to make things right with my parents, and then they're just like, "No, we got to worry about you. Like yeah. this is time to think about you." And it's just like, "Oh, okay." Like, and essentially,
1: not- we got to deal with what they did to you. Yep. Before you can even remotely fathom. Yeah, and they were just like, pretty far," them.
2: and she was. And she even says, "Like the further we got into therapy, I realized we were a long road away from me, mm-hmm. like reconciling with them."
1: Because his mo is to get her back to that point where she's the scared little girl. Yep. mm Hmm.
2: And therapy is a such a huge step for her that I cannot emphasize enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is an absolute no-go in their circles. She said she'd grown up with her dad always saying that a therapist is just someone you're paying to be your friend. <laughs> Which, like, I even... I remember when I was talking about therapy, like, with family members. Like, one family member told me, well, I just don't want someone telling me how to how to live my life and i'm like okay that's that's, that's not, not how this works remotely what that <laughs> that's is not yeah. how this works so i just say that to point out that there's a lot of people out there that don't understand it or are resistant to it but for her it's compounded and it's in these circles mm-hmm. like he told them oh you know like all the time like well they may not be in line with ibl te- teachings god we hope so that's the point <laughs> um and you know they just wouldn't understand But it's like, yeah, that's the point, bro. (laughs) But that's why why it's a no. Yeah. So Jill said, quote, like the fallout of a nuclear blast, I was beginning to hate the way IBLP umbrella principle continued to affect me. I hated how much of a hold it still had on my life, even Mm. though I tried to tackle it so many times before. Mm. It's that deprogramming. I hated the fact that I was still having to deal with it. I wish I could sort things out, and I was tired of the toll it was taking on me emotionally. It's like, taking steps forward is exhausting enough already, and then mm-hmm. simultaneously trying to still, like, turn off
1: Programming. that, like,
2: yeah, like, mm-hmm. that, it's a lot, like, and I think that's, that's another thing just, so this is, like, got the family aspects, and, but, and i b l p but I just feel like just anytime we're talking about people coming from these circles, I just think that's so important to remember that like they're when they're moving forward, there's so much back that they're trying to. It's not just mm-hmm. being like, okay, now, now I'm doing this or now, yeah. I don't believe this anymore. it's exhausting, yeah, so I think that's just such an important thing to remember It's like mm-hmm. and that's why it's like it's not gonna happen overnight, yeah. and we're not gonna see this like magically they're not going to be where we are like mm-hmm. there's just such there's a lot to be done
1: yeah and i think when um melissa urban talks about boundaries and she says that when you put those boundaries the people that are trying to exert their control over you are the ones that feel slighted yeah When you put up those boundaries of like this behavior is not okay or, or, you know, whatever it is, you put those things up, they feel because in their head, they are doing you favors or they are being generous or they are being whatever it is. They're doing this for you and you're just being an asshole. And I think that's that's part of this too is like you're dealing with that and then you're also dealing with this person that's trying to guilt you with the rest of your family Yep. when all you are doing is trying to put up that boundary. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So meanwhile, they've still been trying to get Jim Bob to pay them after they learned what he's declared via her taxes. (sighs) And he finally writes to them saying he wants to resolve things. He's made some bad decisions. Fucking understatement. um, And he's sorry for hurting them. So Jill is like, okay, cool. This is trending in a good direction. When then he hits her with an itemized list.
1: This... Infuriated. Me. I know. I know. And I read it three separate times. And every time I read it, I got more mad. <laughs> and as I was going down the list, like it was harrowing music playing in my head, being like, Are you serious? That is this, this real
2: life. This
1: <laughs> fucking Lego hair man child put put this in an itemized list to send to his daughter.
2: It's insane. Like, who even thinks that way?
1: Oh, man. I was I was pissed.
2: So, his way of trying to justify the income claims with the IRS versus the 80000 that they were given is that, you know, they allotted numbers to each child, quote, because each one of our children were benefiting from having all of their needs met. That's called parenting, you fucking dickwad.
1: Yep. That was what I thought You were benefiting
2: time. from having... That's that's what you do. You brought them into this world. That's your job. That's what happens.
1: No parent should ever present a bill to their child at the end of the year and be like, this is how much I've spent on food for you.
2: It's like... So It's you're saying that providing for your children is somehow equivalent to income.
1: That's what I was going to say too. It's not income. It's not
2: income. So...
1: It reminds me a little bit of like... I'll, I won't stand on my soapbox about like financial aid and how the system's broken but it's that idea where like you have you have people and you have to go through your parents and your parents may have assets and depending on what assets your parents have in like, things like a car or a house or whatever it is and it's like well they have assets that equal up to this so you should you shouldn't need financial aid what are my parents going to do sell their house and all their yeah. vehicles so i can go to school like that's what that reminds me of assets do not equal income and this does not equal income
2: yeah th- them providing for their children that it's that's not income that's it's not the same it's not the same thing at all like it's <laughs> Mind-blowing. Is
1: tr- this is a triggering but, but it, episode. it's
2: just his... It, he had to come up with the way to be like, well, this is why... He had to come up with the reason why that number existed. So then mm-hmm. he just came up with all this shit. So here's what he says. Here are some of the low numbers... Low, he says. Here are some of the low numbers of what w- was approximately spent on Jill in the last few years. Now, I think last few years is noteworthy verbiage because what he chooses to itemize is all over the place in terms Mm -hmm. of years Mm -hmm. and i'm not not reading the entire list i'm just giving some examples so some seem to me to be clearly from their married years when at one point they were living in one of his houses like he'd bought a house Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and was flipping it and they it was like after el salvador i believe jill and derek were living in it until it sold at least that's my assumption because mm-hmm. it says utilities discounted $600 times 36. And then it also said apartment rent. So apartment mm-hmm. does is weird, but I could see him being like if they lived in one part of the, I don't know. But um, 750 times 24 months, things like that. So I I can't say for certain that's the house, but that's what I think it is. But either mm-hmm. way, this to me sounds like their married life. Because when was, that's, that's how I take it. Mm-hmm. But then there's this fucking wackadoodle shit that goes back to when she was still living under their roof, under that, you know, tin roof at the, uh, the Tater Top Mansion. It says eating out $100 a month with the family debit card for eight years, $9,600. Clothes and goodwill on family debit cards, $1,000 per year times eight years. And ready for this next one? Because it's extra asinine. Eating at home three times per day for 12 years. $13,140.
0: My hands
1: insanity. are sweating again.
2: It's fucking insanity.
1: This episode of The Pod is not called Digging Up the Duggers. It's called Triggered Because the Duggers. That's how I feel.
2: <laughs> yep. Um, even the harp from last episode makes oh. an appearance on the list at a price of $15,000. Which, okay, so remember how he got it at auction. Mm -hmm. So is the full, is that the full cost of it from auction? Or was it even more? And that's divided up, the divided up costs between all the girls who played it. (laughs) Because I have a hard time believing that he paid more than $15,000 for that harp. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I know they're expensive, but do you think he paid more than that?
1: At auction? Like, I
2: don't. I think he's assigning the entire cost of it to her. That's the vibe I get. I know I don't know for a fact, but mm-hmm. like, but or did he, or was it more? And he's like, well, this much goes to Jill, and this much goes to Jana, and this much. Oh well, Jill played it the most because remember, remember how she was like the star of that. Yep. <laughs> well, you played it the most, so it's like you get the fifteen thousand dollar harp.
1: The fact that this once again man child sat down and itemized all of this makes me so mad.
2: Tim's like freaking out right now.
1: My hands are sweaty. <laughs>
2: yes. um, he also lists a ten thousand dollar gift to the Dillard Family Ministries, obviously for their mm-hmm. for their missionary work. Okay, and I, and I have so many things to say about this. Yeah. First of all, just like we already said, who the fuck itemizes things that their child benefited from as income to declare to the IRS? But then the random selection of years just don't make sense to me. So, Jill got married when she was 23. So, if he was pulling things that he felt he provided for her as an adult in his house, it would be five years worth of things. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: But the numbers he gives are like eight years and 12 years. Mm -hmm. So... Are you itemizing her food from the ages of 11 to 23? Because he did 12 years. I don't get it. Why are you itemizing 11 to 23? And I was like, is he talking about since the show started? But mathematically, 11 isn't even the age that she started. Like, like I was trying to make it make sense. I mean, you can't make insanity make sense. But I was trying to find... The where his fucked up logic was at, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I don't get it. Color they're, me surprised. They're just these random fucking chosen numbers that I, mm. I don't get it. Those um,
1: pickles were expensive, okay.
2: <laughs> and even if he was doing it as the years that she were an adult, it, it would still be bullshit. Let me be very clear about that, because th- they actively teach not leaving the home until you're married. So I it wouldn't be fair to act like it's like you're being just like so generous to to continue to provide for them after the age of 18 because you made it that way. That's literally how you guys are. That's your rule. That's your fucking, yeah, that's your setup. So it would still be absolute bullshit, but that's not even the case here. Like, like it's, it's not five years worth of bills. Like Mm -hmm. it's like random fucking, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make, none of it makes sense. And in his own words, he calls the $10,000 a gift to their ministry, but then files it as income on their taxes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's not a gift not if a you gift. literally filed it as income. Now, mm-hmm. when people receive gifts, they might have to file with our. But you're literally filing it as if she had a job and that was her. Mm-hmm.
1: That was her take home.
2: In, in your own verbiage is that it was a gift. Like, it doesn't make sense. It does, none of it makes sense. Uh, and by the way, um, she could come back later with an itemization of all of the years of fucking labor <laughs> in raising his kids and f- cleaning his house and making their meal. Where's her? F- you give him an night, Jill. We can all work it up for you. We can all do the math. You have a whole, you have a whole arena of people here mm-hmm. that are willing to uh
0: help you with the side
1: money. All of them would be like you guys would all be CPAs, and you'd be like, "We're going to put this together, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we'll send it over to your email. We'll actually send you the information." We'll send that it you're to Chad, support. yeah, and yeah, he'll absolutely. forward it
2: to your, you know, your people.
1: Fucking yep. Chad, fuck Chad,
2: yeah, fuck Chad. God, so- choke on it, Chad. <laughs> so this whole thing is wild, just absolutely wild. So he's given her eighty thousand dollars, which Jill was right—that wasn't the end of things. And her taxes told at $130,000. So Jim Bob's big offer for them to settle this once and for all is to give them $20,000. Which the math ain't mathin'. That's some <laughs> wisdom booklet fucking math if I ever saw it. Because that's $30,000 short.
1: You're like the meme of the woman with all the mathematical <laughs> formulas going around your head. I feel like this is you during most of this.
2: <laughs> that ain't adding up. You're still a good 30 k short. He also reminds Jill that if she tax them, her inheritance will be lowered significantly.
1: There it is. There's his chip to play. Yeah.
2: I mean it's all he he that's all he has. like it's all he has.
1: That's all he has left. And it's yep. Still, and I love
2: that it still didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um but it gets even worse as it always does. He says, quote, I love you, but I am grieved by the disrespect and the accusations that continue.
1: Victim
2: I have asked for forgiveness, and I hope that you will also. You have deeply offended your mother and I. We love you and forgive you for the things you have said and done. $20,000 is a one-time offer. Take it or leave it. Please let me know by Monday night, or the amount will be zero. Love, Daddy Duggar.
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) I know, for real. uh, Everything is just so dripping with... A lot.
2: I mean, first of all, Daddy Duggar makes me want to fucking crawl out of my skin. (laughs) Like, I want to, like, claw my eyes out just, like, reading it. So gross. But the whole, okay, the whole, we forgive you, I hate that shit. Mm -hmm. When people forgive you in these types of exchanges where you're not fucking asking for forgiveness, Mm -mm. they're only offering it up to sound like the bigger person and Mm -hmm. manipulate you even more
0: there it
2: is this isn't just this is not like just saying it because saying i forgive you and as a part of like your own healing process and mm-hmm. something this ain't that yeah this is not that type of situation mm-hmm. this is a straight up manipulation tactic to make her them whatever feel worse mm-hmm. this isn't about like oh like you know like the you know what i'm talking about where situations mm-hmm. where like i have to It'd be like me being like, I have to forgive my father because it helps me move on. This is not that situation. No, it's not the same. You're and, being an asshole.
1: And that's like, oh, honey, I don't, I don't need your forgiveness. I didn't ask
2: for your forgiveness. And
1: honey, I don't need your money either. Like that's yep. kind of like all of this. And I think that's a beautiful place for her to be at, where she, at the end of the day, she had the power in this, and that needled him so hard, and that's why fucking- he's resorting to bullshit like this.
2: Yep. They said no every fucking time, and he mm-hmm. was always banking on the fact that they were. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting into. Yeah. So, um, I love this line from Jill. She says, "Quote: It was clear that Pops was not only counting the cost of bringing me into the world, he was set on denying our requests."
1: Roll credits.
2: Love. Uh, see what she did there. We see I it. Did. We see it. So they're done with his bullshit. His, they're you know they're not playing games. They're they're fucking tired of these games. So they hire a lawyer and you know lego's hair must have like popped off in rage (laughs) i I don't i'm I'm thinking there's probably two times it popped off in all this probably the nose ring the nose ring Mm -hmm. and then this this may have like broken his hair like you know he had to go get a new one
1: it was flipped backwards (laughs) like when you flip lego hair backwards
2: (laughs) he's desperate to just resolve this but he won't actually give them any information so he's just like we can work this out blah 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 but like still not giving one fucking thing that they've asked for Mm -hmm. and then her siblings start getting involved like asking them like why is this all such a problem and she talks about how they would just like come over and be at their house and then want to stay till like fucking midnight just rehashing it for the millionth fucking time and she had to draw a line because she's like Derek was in law school and it was just like you can't stay here all night boundaries so when she did that, they were like, what? How come you won't talk? This is way more important than law school. Where you fucking think they learned that shit from. <laughs> but her siblings, they didn't get it. No. Part of the reason they didn't get it, I mean, just besides the fucking general being, you know, brainwashing of being raised by mm-hmm. that man, um, is that some of them have started being paid small amounts to be on the show by then, too. And to them, those little fucking crumbs, that fucking $10 an hour, it probably was, to them, those crumbs were enough.
1: Yeah. Life was better for them.
2: They did, but they also, they don't get the big picture. Yep. They, they couldn't fucking see it. And that's what happens when you just follow. When Blindly. you're told. Yeah, when you're told it's enough, you're like, okay, it's enough. And mm-hmm. you're like pathetically grateful for these fucking crumbs mm-hmm. because you're trained to be. Yeah. It's it's really sad mm-hmm. and it was pretty obvious um what jim bob was doing with the siblings and that he was his him talking in their ear was behind the visits but any doubt was very clearly confirmed when one of the siblings told her quote pops is telling everyone that if we don't stand against you both on this then we're standing against him he said none of us can be neutral here." And that this affects all of us. He says we might all be sued as a result of what you're doing.
1: There it is.
2: Pitting your kids against each other is the lowest of lows. Mm-hmm. Like I feel I, f- I feel for Jill. You know he's telling them that she's just like greedy and selfish and mm-hmm. you know she's she's going to ruin everyone's lives. Yeah. Poor
1: girl. And think about them specifically like you're you're raising these children in an environment where they don't understand a lot of like big world ideas A lot of big world consequences for certain things, legal things, financial things, whatever it is, they don't understand it. So he can scare them by going, aren't you afraid of getting sued?
2: Yeah, and they're like, They don't
1: know what that means. They just have this idea of what he's told them of what that looks like, and that's real big and scary.
2: The same way Jill was just like, I don't know what that means. Does that mean I'm getting off a... playing and being arrested arrested. yeah Yeah. it's the same Mm -hmm. kind of thing they're back where she was she's evolved a little bit past that where she can Mm -hmm. go okay what does it look like what can can he actually do what can we do there where she was where she was just like oh shit like you know
1: can i can i break a little bit of the tension with kind of a funny memory yeah it reminds me there's been memes recently that have popped up where it was showing a car driving at night and then the kid like turning like the internal light on and it was like, why did my parents make oh, it yeah. sound like we were going to get absolutely like run down and arrested by the cops just because I turned the light? I know on my in dad be car. like, turn
0: that off. Yeah, it,
1: because it was always so serious. It wasn't just like, hey, turn that off. It it's kind of hard to drive with that. No, it was always like, the cops are gonna get
2: us. Yeah, like they're waiting for you to turn on that that cabin <laughs> yeah. light. They yeah. are waiting. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you know why I pulled you over? Well, my dumb kid. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh. So he gets uh, the siblings, you know, involved even more, even sending one over to, to give her papers. And they handed them to her stating, Pop says you have 24 hours.
1: Oh, God, that enraged me.
2: It was another effort to get them to agree to just 20000 more in payment. Now with the added detail of signing an NDA stating that they'd never talk about any of it. So let me get this straight. You took a deal that they already weren't interested in <laughs> and then made it worse by now including an NDA and you're like, that should work. <laughs> but he was definitely banking on them needing money mm-hmm. and the 24 hour deadline aspect of it, like being like with the pressure uh, and it didn't fucking work. And I love that, that even in they're just like yeah. even before when they're even more broke, they're, they're just like, no. Yep. Not doing it. Like, when they were ready to walk away from that $80,000, and he gave it to them. But I think that's what's on their side, is like you said, is that no matter what, no matter what was going on, they were like, nope, can't be bought, can't be do. Nope, we're not doing it.
1: Good on them. Yep. And once again, mob tactics showing up with an envelope and being like, the boss says you have 24 hours.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: so they didn't bite, and. Through their lawyer, they continue to request the documents that now, years later, after their initial requ- request, they still haven't received. Because mm. you remember, the very first time they requested this was all the way back in El Salvador upon mm. finding out that she was had a contract with TLC. Yep. So it has been literal years of mm-hmm. asking for this document. So the deadline for Lego handing over the documents was looming, and they were prepared to obtain a court order if necessary to get them when late one night at twelve fifteen a.m someone starts knocking on their door and it was michelle they didn't answer and i wouldn't either um but she ends up texting them saying that she left the 2014 contract with tlc in its entirety and she apologized for coming by so late
1: in my head it was raining <laughs> in my head it was raining and she was in like a in like a raincoat And, like, brought it and knocked on the door and they didn't answer. And then she left it there and had to, like, walk. Like, I have a very. I can just
2: see her clogs and support hose (laughs) in the rain, you know, going down the, shuffling down the sidewalk. Yeah. I can see it now.
1: Yeah, I had it in my head.
2: So it seems that some people have interpreted this as Michelle, like, going against Jim Bob. But that's not how I take it at all. Mm-hmm. Like people were like, Oh, look what she did. She went and took the pier. that's not how I interpreted it at all. I don't think
0: so. Either. I took
2: it as it was down to the wire. He realized that they weren't gonna fucking give it up, so they were like, Okay, we're gonna take these to them. But and either it was like he didn't wanna go or Michelle was like I'm going to go because she knew him going would only make it work. Like, but either way, I don't think this was her just being like, I'm going to take these papers. Like, I don't think she was
1: doing it in a virtuous way. No,
2: like, He finally was giving it up and giving the papers, and she was just the delivery person. I don't think this has anything to do with her, like, saving the day or anything.
1: No, and I feel like it goes back to the idea of having other people do your dirty work for you. You have your kids raise your other kids. You have Chad be the one that's talking to them about the contract. You have Michelle being the one that's taking them the contract after years and years and years. Because at the end of the day, he looked weak in all of this. Because they didn't need anything from him.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: But I do think it's worth noting that even in this this situation where he's, like, finally folding, so to speak, he still did it in a way where he was trying to still have some control over the situation.
1: 100%.
2: Doing it at the very last minute and bypassing their lawyers, which is how it was supposed to go down. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, fine, I'm going to do this, but it's not going to be the way you thought it was, you know, like...
1: Because their lawyer, at one point, their lawyer even said something because they were like, Do you feel like he's actually going to give us the contract? And there was something about the lawyer bringing up, like, I don't think he wants to. I think this it was Derek that said that. Somebody yeah. where it was like, I don't think he wants to make this go to a court order because that's usually public information. Yeah. You know?
2: So they finally settle with Jim Bob for $175,000. Jill said, So we'd won, we got what we wanted but I wasn't in the mood for celebrating. I felt like maybe my parents and most of my siblings thought I was greedy and that Derek and I were horrible people for what we'd done to the family. Maybe they were right. I never knew that victory could feel so hollow or so overwhelmingly sad. Poor girl. Yep. <laughs> there just really is no happy resolution to in all of this. Mm-hmm. The damage was done. Yep. Like, I'm glad that they got some sort of payout. But this, this extends far beyond money. Mm-hmm. She got screwed over. And it's like, we're only talking about the second half of the book. We're not talking about her entire life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the abuse, the putting her on Fox News, like, her entire, like, being parentified her entire life. Like, this girl has been screwed over in every way that a person can be screwed over mm-hmm. and completely villainized. And money doesn't fix that. Yep. I do want to talk about a funny ha-ha. That's equally ridiculous. Kind of break this up a little bit. (laughs) So earlier in the book, before she even wore pants the first time, or I mean those, even worse, those leggings. Yeah,
1: before her debut.
2: They had wine one night at home. (laughs) But she didn't like it. She said... It made my mouth feel like it had just been disinfected. I was kind of disappointed.
1: Stay away from the tannin. is. She got a high
2: yeah. tannin wine. Maybe start with like a nice Sauvignon Blanc. Maybe yeah, don't so go be, for a like bit a sweeter. Don't go for like a like a. They probably. It sounds like they went for a real dry. Like a hearty red. Merlot. Yeah, she <laughs> was
1: drinking a Cab.
2: Yeah, yeah so it's, start with something a little simple.
1: <laughs> I remember our. When Whitney and I were in culinary school, we had a wines and spirits class, and when the instructor of that class was talking about what tannins do to you, it said he used to say that your uh, your teeth feel like they have socks on them. And I always <laughs> thought that was pretty apt.
2: Then later, after the settlement and all of this, she posts a picture on Instagram, and you can see the pina colada she's drinking in the shot. Woo! I just think these things are funny because I remember when this was breaking news. Like, so it's just <laughs> kind of funny when you're like, "Oh yeah," like you know, yeah. you're like, "I remember when that was like brand new." Uh, and even though it was everywhere, <laughs> surprisingly, she never heard from Lego about it. She said, "Quote." I guess he'd gotten the hint a few months earlier when he read online that Derek had been seen drinking a beer. Pop's had made contact soon after and offered to send Derek to the same rehab facility. Oh, great! Uh, Josh had been in, been to, in the hope of curing Derek's clearly raging alcoholism, <laughs> since he'd never been drunk or even had more than two beers in any one sitting. Derek declined. <laughs> so fucking funny,
1: and the way that it's written makes oh, it it's, even it's funnier. It's like poetry. <laughs> that like that she, whole he did not.
2: <laughs> like that whole thing is fucking grade A writing right there. It's perfect.
0: Oh man.
2: Um. But I, number one, like the same place that Josh went to. Oh, that even if he needed rehab, that doesn't sound like the place to go. Doesn't sound like it does wor- the best work. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> what went through my head was. Uh, I'm playing through the latest Pokemon game and whenever you uh, you whenever you do a move that's like isn't doesn't do very much damage, it always says, it's not very effective. <laughs> <laughs> that's how this feels. <laughs> we'll send them to the same rehab. It's not very effective. <laughs> the type matching is not in their favor.
2: No. <laughs> but the irony that when you're Jim Bob Duggar if you take alcohol just once, because remember, you take alcohol. You take alcohol, Um, yeah. You need rehab. But if you're a repeat sexual predator, you're a role model, remember? Remember Go how when construct he was, something, when he was there, it was like, well, he's like a model citizen. He's the yeah. best guy they got. So repeated mm-hmm. sexual predator, a beer. Two beers at dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. The mindfuckery fuckery of, of it all. Like, that's how he thinks. So the book pretty much ends with her trying to move forward in her life. I, I'm skipping over, obviously, like I'm skipping over the talking about Josh's trial. I'm, and if you're mm-hmm. like, oh, you never talked about their case, I, that's because someday it'll be his whole other thing. Oh, I'm just yeah. trying to give you the vibe of the book overall. Yeah. Mostly my my goal in all this was focusing on her, her coming into her own and then her, her relationships. Yeah. That was really what I felt like I wanted to. Mm -hmm. focus on so you know it ends with her trying to move forward in her life um accepting both the good and the bad saying quote there is much that i can look back on and smile but i picked up some wounds along the way it's like roses and thorns justice and grace you can recognize the beauty and happy parts of your story while also recognizing the most difficult parts
1: how fucking emotionally healthy is that line
2: the two can coexist the highs aren't automatically erased or invalidated by the lows, which I think is a very like mature, very like good outlook, a great outlook, you know, just to have in general, but really amazing considering she came from such a black and white world Mm -hmm. where you weren't even allowed to evaluate the bad. You just slapped on a smile and you ignored it. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's really proving how you can actually feel things when you're not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. But you can actually feel things and go beyond just that happy facade Mm -hmm. and mandated like attitude of gratitude that they want you to have at all times. Right. Like dig deep into the shit and still actually be happy. Mm
1: -hmm. I cried a lot.
2: Yeah. Good for her. And Jill still has a bit of a relationship with Michelle that kind of, like, she talks about that. And we're going to get into that um a little bit more. But she says, quote, I love her, respect her, and look up to her. She's the first person I call whenever I have a question about our baby's health. And I love that we can still connect that way no matter what family drama is occurring. But I miss her too. I miss the ease of communication we used to have. I miss it so much that there are times I almost wonder if it would be better to go back to the way things were, when when Derek and I were happy to fall into line and silence our questions. Wouldn't it be good to be free from all of the struggle and heartache? Is ignorance really bliss? I know the answer is no, just like I know that I must at times sacrifice a degree degree of closeness in my relationship with my mom.
1: Is an episode where I cry too.
2: <laughs> yep. So Michelle was there to help, um, even when she had Freddie. And I remember when she had Freddie last summer. It was like there was pictures with her, and it was just like, oh, like so Michelle is still there, and she even mm-hmm. talked about, yeah, my mom, my mom helped with my recovery and stuff. Um, and and there's like a night where she's like, oh, pops is on his way to come pick me up, mm-hmm. and then they're both like. And they allow um, him to come in. And, like, Michelle's like, would he be able to hold Freddy? And they're like, yep, when we can take a picture. So there's, like, the picture in the book of him, like, holding the baby and stuff. And it's like, that was, you know, them allowing him into their home when it had been Mm -hmm. years. Like, she's not even allowed over at their house anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And inviting him into her home. And so, like, once again, she is the the one extending that. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it shows a lot of emotional growth because the reason, the reason why that was okay was because he had no more power there.
2: Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
1: He had no power. Yeah. So it wasn't a threat to them. And the fact that they were able to do that and not be instantly enraged is a testament to how much work they've done Mm -hmm. on themselves.
2: Yeah. And that's how the main part of the book ends. But I want to read you the very last sentence of the author's note. Because I think it sums it up perfectly.
0: I know, for real. <laughs> the,
2: the degree to which we felt this book needed to be written was the degree to which we felt like voices were still being silenced and real harm was continuing to be done by not telling it. And I think that's a perfect bookend merp, mm-hmm. um, to the dedications at the opening, where it was to the victims, survivors, mm-hmm. and those finding their voice. So I think the book was great. I'm mm-hmm. really proud of her. I think she did a really good job. They were number two on the New York Times bestselling list. Um, it's like, I would not have even blamed her if she got a little bit messy, (laughs) you know, like, because after everything she went through, she went through so much. She got so fucking screwed over. If -hmm. there had been times where she had been kind of like fucking sticking it, I don't think anybody would have blamed her. Well, no, No. there some people would have blamed her, (laughs) but I wouldn't have blamed her. Yeah. But the way she did it, it, it was done perfectly.
1: And you know what, what encompasses that for me is the fact that she didn't have to. Because people that are outside of this that don't already have preconceived ideas of the fact that she's disrespecting her father or she's doing this for money or whatever it is. The people that are going into it with some level of objectivity are going to be able to see what he did in all of this and be like, damn, homie's a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need to drag him because (laughs) all of his actions tell everything.
0: Yep.
2: She just told her story. And Mm -hmm. presented facts. And if those facts Mm -hmm. make somebody look bad, well, that's what fucking happens when you behave that way. Mm -hmm. If you you want people to speak good of you, you have to act accordingly. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So it's like, this is on you, Jim Bob. This is not on Jill. Mm -hmm. And I just think about how the reality is we're all characters in various people's stories. Mm -hmm. every single one of us just just how it goes Mm -hmm. but your parents are a huge part of your story i'm because again using the word story like they're literally your origin story you know Mm -hmm. so they're they're gonna play a big part because that that role dictates so much of your life for various reasons Mm -hmm. um and then people whether it be the ones you're talking about or even just people, you know, like mm-hmm. the people of the internet or whatever the fuck it may be, people with their opinions, whatever. People in general, they they get all bent out of shape when you talk about it. Boy, they, they really only get bent out of shape when they think it makes them look, them look bad. bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't hear people getting worked up when you tell your life story and it shows people in positive light. They, o- they only... Mm-hmm. It's only about whether it makes them look bad or not. Correct. But if you don't want to come off as an asshole, the solution to that is to not not be an asshole.
1: Not be an asshole. <laughs> yep. Yep.
2: Because everyone has a right to share their story, mm-hmm. and your behavior is your responsibility, not theirs.
1: Mm-hmm. I always think of I'm gonna. We've been talking about this at work a little bit. I think whenever you bring things up like this to a person and you have some semblance of a confrontation about, hey, this is what you did or what you said, and this is why it hurt me, I think there's a level of your instant reaction as a person that slighted somebody else is to apologize. But a a lot of times those apologies and behaviors that we saw in this are not to make the situation better moving forward it's to stop this conversation yeah. because Just i don't want i don't yeah. want you to make me feel bad anymore mm-hmm. and i already talked about pokemon one of my favorite things from the from the remake of god of war was the fact that like the the child because there's believe me i have parent baggage um that game is about legacy and what you pass on to your kids, so there's like, oh I cried playing that game a whole bunch too um but one of the things is like the the little kid acts like his father used to and then apologize, and we've talked about this, and Kratos in that game tells him, don't be sorry, be better,
2: yeah, it's this yep <sighs> so that that's that part, but. I feel like this book really, for me, it boils down to two things. The first being control. <laughs> um, to me, it's ultimately a story of control.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: IBLP and the TV show, to me, are sort of like side characters in this. Agreed. Like, I'm not saying that they didn't have their damage or like, um. I, absolutely. But my point is that both those things just gave Jim Bob more control. Mm-hmm. IBLP, obviously, because the system is designed that way, and the show, because it propped him up, gave him money, and just gave him yet another way to control literally everyone around him. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have my feelings about reality TV and putting your kids on TV and all that, but I think the bigger issue here is just that it was just another platform of control for him, more than anything else. Yep. Like, I think that without him controlling the entire thing, they could have... It could have not turned all out,
0: mm-hmm.
2: turned out this way, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, The other thing I think that it all boiled down to is just how much Jill really does love her parents and she wants a better relationship.
0: hmm It's
2: like we heard repeatedly how much she tried while still maintaining her boundaries and articulating yep. what she wanted out of everything. And he always met her with insults. Mm-hmm. He'd start off acting like he was willing to try to and give his little fucking half ass sorries so or how you know some things and all that fucking bullshit But then he would just like gut her, he would cut her down.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was just fucking awful. Mm-hmm. All she wants is for her father to love her but his love is entirely conditional on his children being obedient robots. Mm -hmm. and i just feel so sad for her in that regard because we all think or we all know that he's a piece of shit we know this Mm -hmm. but i'll never not hurt for a child just wanting their parents love and acceptance Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who the fuck their parents are Mm
0: -hmm.
2: it's completely natural for a child to yearn for that Mm -hmm. no matter who their parents you know it is and it's heartbreaking to come to the realization that it just may not be possible yeah to have the relationship you wish you had with with your parents Mm -hmm. which we know what that's like (laughs) both of us know it all too well and it sucks
1: it sucks a lot
2: and Sometimes it absolutely is for the best to not have a relationship with your parents at all or or maybe a distant one, whatever, whatever it looks like. Mm -hmm. And it still sucks, even if that's the healthiest, best decision.
0: Yeah.
2: Because, you know, that you're like, that's not how it should be. So it's like, I know I've talked about like with my dad before, like I talked about like someday when I find out my dad dies, I, I know I'm going to cry and I know I'm going to be emotional, upset and it's not so much about him, it's about what it
1: Should've should been. have
2: been and never could be or was.
1: 100%.
2: And I think it's like that. It's just that I think it's like mourning you you can be mourning multiple things. You can be mourning what it should have been and never was. Or if you ever had, like in my case where I felt like there wasn't ever really something there. And then, but in her case, she may feel like there was something there. And then she's also mourning what was. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's layers of mourning in all of this.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, But yeah, so even if that's, you know, you know how it should be. But you know that the reality is that it's not going to be. It's just, it's a lot to work through, and and having little to no contact with your parents, it doesn't just fucking happen. <laughs> like <laughs> I think that's the thing. It's like it's not just some like I think that so, I think there's some uh, sometimes this idea of that you're just like oh I didn't like what they sent me that one time, and then mm. like you're just like fucking cut your parents. Brat, off. Yeah. yeah, it's not just like this willy nilly decision it's big and it's painful and there's usually years of pain behind it Mm -hmm. so you know i just i i feel for her i can relate on that aspect i didn't have to deal with all these forms of abuse that she had to deal with Mm -hmm. but i can i think we can understand it's like yeah that's a hard thing to go through
1: Mm -hmm. and the the guilt of the guilt of that relationship not being there a lot of times is on the child. Mm-hmm. And I sent you an Instagram reel that kind of said the same thing where it's like, why if you have a fractured relationship with your parents, why is it always the onus in in kind of society?
2: Well, they're your parents.
1: I've I've heard that a lot. So have I. Yeah. So it's that it's always on the child and it's never like, well, what what happened to lead to this? It's not just you being being ungrateful or fill in the terms with anything that Lego hair said.
2: You yep, know. A spirit of ungratefulness. <laughs> and the other thing about poor little Jilly Croissant is mm-hmm. that her situation is made even more sad because she's lost siblings in this, too. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. that's one thing i still have all my sisters like Mm -hmm. we're all united on that and there was a period of time where like we we all cut off in different
1: yeah
2: you know timelines but even then even when like the last one that was still like talking to my dad but it still never affected us Mm -hmm. but yeah he's he's made her he's villainized her so she's lost relationships some of which who knows she may never get some of those back Yep. So it took a lot of strength for her to not only just think of all the things that she went up against. She went up against her mother. She went against her father. She went up against everything she'd ever been taught. She went up against TLC. She had her her siblings. Like it's like mm-hmm. she was risking fucking everything,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and putting out this book is another giant risk. You know, um. He may have been in her house holding Freddie that night, but you know he fucking hates her right now. I mean, he already was sending out the text before where it was like, if you all, you know, that you're going to be cut off from your inheritance. Like, he's not coping well. And no. just because that's where the book ended, that's not how things are today. Like, no. you know, he was pissed when she was in Shining Happy People and mm-hmm. then the book. And it's just like, you know, it's not gotten better. Yeah. If he couldn't fucking handle a nose ring, homie ain't doing well, you know?
1: And just think about how that like one-time empire crumbled. All of it. All of it. And that's what's interesting looking at the show now after reading this book. There's just so much of like, look at where they were and look at what he turned into. And what he turned this situation into. It's, It was a little bit hard to watch this episode, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, because because knowing a lot of this kind of stuff in my head I was like I definitely feel like there's just this is kind of just the person that you've been underneath all of it but seeing it get so petty and so bureaucratic oh, yeah. and so like like unfeeling of so much stuff when this is the facade that you put out when it started is is stark it is it a is. stark contrast yep
2: oh <sighs> so the funny part remember how like when i the beginning of the last episode i'm like i want to talk about going into it and i want to talk about reception of it this was 14 pages. normally <laughs> my stuff is like 9 to 10 pages typed sometimes 11 yeah. this was 14 pages and so i'm like i couldn't even get it. i still haven't even got i like i wanted to talk more about ginger and jill i wanted mm. to talk about michelle like i have a lot of things i want to talk but now i'm like i don't know do i just do that as a pickle episode but there's a whole aspect of things I didn't even talk about. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I was well, I mean, like, I feel like every dig that you do ends up leading to four more other digs. You want? To I don't.
2: Do. I just don't know if people want to hear a third episode about all of this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm like, maybe it'll just be like a pickle.
1: Maybe we let it air out or something. <laughs> you know, do it later. Yeah, you
2: know, like I had, I had more. I had definitely, like, I have, I have all these other talking points, like not written out, mm-hmm. but just like points. And I was just like, yep, there's about ten things I didn't get to. Yeah. But yeah, this. Well, I'm very proud of her. That's all I want to yeah. say,
1: and we talk about Jill's dweebiness and I think the reception for the most part is them understanding that it is very endearing um and we've mentioned that multiple times. I still think we have some listeners that kind of think like that that's a like us a knocking her and it's yeah. not um and I just Tim's wanna...
2: a fucking nerd like that's just how we describe personalities. Tim's a fucking yeah. nerd. I'm mm-hmm. off we can't figure out i mm-hmm. I, I straddle some lines can't quite define me so the thing that we've just is i'm just awkward <laughs> if you meet me in person it'll be awkward <laughs> so tim's a nerd i'm awkward <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, the reality
1: yeah but at the end of the day i thought it was really good i'm proud of her yep jill we love you jill Quesson. jilly Quesson, we love you
2: <laughs> yeah jilly i, I said jill <laughs> jilly Quesson.
1: yeah
2: the adult breakfast pastry
1: <laughs> <laughs> how worldly I'll just,
2: I'll just send her a message not on on my other account not on that and be like could you tell me what your favorite breakfast pastry is and she'll be like what the fuck and um, that's so we're like sorry guys she's no longer croissant she's jilly uh donut
1: <laughs> it's it fits better with the name <laughs> oh man all right <sighs> good episode Fantastic dig as always, my dear. Thank you, love. So, once again, in the effort of putting some gratitude out there, like you're my big muffin, thank you letting you, thank <laughs> you for letting me do the firm. Um, it's all about putting gratitude and good vibes out into the world. So we are going to come to our wind down session of what are we digging on. So, would you like me to go first? Go first. Okay.
2: I need a little break from talking. <laughs>
1: so my digging on this week is a flashback to a younger age um we have max that we stream on ps5 and is it paramount Mm-mm. maybe it is paramount
2: it is paramount
1: damn okay we've been watching a lot of ghost adventures and that's on max so that's why it's in my head but anyway the point is i know that on paramount plus they have a lot of nickelodeon shows and in my head, I was like, I wonder if they have, like, old Nickelodeon shows or if it's just new stuff. So I started looking, and they have, like, Doug and, like, a lot of the cartoons.
2: Porkchop. Love Porkchop.
1: Love Porkchop. Sorry, Mildred. I will say there is a documentary that is called The Orange Years that's on Nickelodeon, when it, how it started in its heyday. Amazing watch of a documentary. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I started watching Legends of the Hidden Temple. With Kirk, Fog, I adored that show, and I wanted to be on it so bad. And I remember in college, we used to have a channel called Nickelodeon Gas, and they played Guts, and they played Nick Arcade, and they played Legends of the Hidden Temple. I love the stories. I love the idea that they they fold like real historical stories and and items into it I love that there's like a a trivia aspect there's physical challenges then at the end you go through that you go through Olmec's temple Olmec was voiced by Dee Bradley Baker who's an amazing voice actor who's been in all sorts of stuff I always felt like I could do the different things on there better than the kids that did it who knew if I could or not but I was always like by the time I watched the fourth kid struggle with the shrine of the silver monkey I'd be like come (laughs) on the baby base is square you know and i'm like screaming at my tv because this poor 11 year old kid who's on tv with the timer and being afraid of being attacked by the temple guards and they only have half a pendant so they can't give them the immunity pendant and then they're struggling to try to put this thing on national tv i get that it was a challenge but still the base is square kids come on But my thing I'm digging on is Legends of the Hidden Temple. The music was great. The story was great. God, it makes me feel so good. And one point in college, this is my end. At one point in college, I did buy myself a Green Monkeys shirt.
2: You had it when we first started dating. And I didn't know what it was because I... (laughs) didn't grow we, i didn't have cable till i was a little bit older mm-hmm. so i'm watching this for the first time with t- so the way i'm like this is like my dugger experience you know like like he's watching me watch it for the first time yep. where i've never seen it and i'm pretty into it but i will say to, i have a couple things to say yes i'm ready the first thing is it fucking stresses me out like i'm legit stressed and i think i'm more stressed because it's children
1: yeah. So I'm yeah. just like
2: I feel really bad. Where I'm just like, oh, like. So Tim and I have a thing. We usually say it in regards to Mildred, but we always say like when, she, when she can't find something or she's not understanding something, we say, "She no get." She
1: no get. <laughs> yep. So
2: like we'll be like watching it and this kid, I'll be like, oh. oh he no get yeah. like, like they're struggling so Ugh. bad and there's something of, i think about watching it as an adult like watching kids <laughs> struggle so badly and like you said like with the pressure and on this like national stage mm-hmm. like and
1: there's an audience and
2: for fucking laffy taffy at the end of it like it's not even like they're getting something like great they're getting fucking laffy taffy yep. so it stresses i like it but it stresses me out for the children second thing those shorts them they have to wear. <laughs> so unfortunate, Unf- unfortunate. They're long pleated khakis,
1: wide khakis. Yeah,
2: they're gaucho-y, but with pleats, mm-hmm. bringing it back to the gauchos. Yeah, um, very unfortunate. So that's my two things. Like it, but it uh, stresses me out, and the, the clothing is unfortunate.
1: Yep. So the two things they all get white Reebok shoes to wear. Um, the. Who did you say that in the credits the the fashion
2: There was it said fashion bug.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> legit think fashion bug was the one that gave them those shorts. Those
2: unfortunate shorts.
1: And I get it. These kids are like like nine to fourteen or something. So they have to get pants that or shorts that fit all of them. You know what I mean? But adore.
2: If the Duggars wore shorts, the Duggar males wore shorts, this is what they'd wear.
1: Absolutely. My last thing I have, and I appreciate a good pun, is every time they're about to go into the temple. Kirk goes, Omek, oh, are you ready? And he goes, let's rock. Because he's a murp. big giant like, stone head.
2: Merp, merp. Yeah.
1: So I'm digging on Legends of the Hidden Temple.
2: Very good, very good. What, do
1: you, what is Whitney digging on?
2: I am digging on the start of soup season. Let's go. So here's the thing. <laughs> it's 103 today. <laughs> but you have to start somewhere you know at some point you just because it's still 103 but our overnights have been a little better Mm -hmm. down into the 70s yep so that's key when your overnights start getting better the the 103s in the day don't feel quite as bad um so i this sunday i'm i'm kicking off soup season this sunday October 1st, because I talked about it previously, but this is, I'm having my little get together with my nieces and my sisters and my mom, where we're decorating, we're doing DIY haunted dollhouses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you come with your thing painted and we're going to sit and decorate them. Now I'm going to play music and all that stuff. And um, I'm making two kinds of soup. Yep. I am making...
1: Whitney makes a real mean soup.
2: Um, so I'm making zupa Toscano, the Olive Garden type soup, and then I'm mm. making Italian wedding, two of which I'm very known for. I got mm. a few good I got a few good soups in me, mm. but those are that
1: ham and butter bean
2: but and you can't just say butter bean, I always say butter bean
1: butter bean
2: so ham and butter bean um but, you know, and I make a I make a mean clam chowder too, I yep. gotta say, and then I mm-hmm. make a a sausage cabbage and leek that's pretty good um, so I have a few in me, but these are two heavy hitters that I knew would you know the masses would like. So I am very excited and the, the the mother nature's throwing me a bone because um it said 86 on Sunday and now it's mm-hmm. saying 85. Damn. So they're really helping yep. me out. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And but this also reminds me of how at my old job I was the cheer captain. Of course. Um I did a lot of things for holidays, but I also did themed days. And I'm a I'm a slut for alliteration, so they're usually <laughs> so like I had Fashion Forward Friday. You were supposed to wear something a little bit more fashion forward than your normal thing. Mm-hmm. Um and for the last couple of years that I was there, on the first October, Friday in October, I did Forcing Fall Feels Friday. <laughs> and you we wore you're supposed to wear like a fallish outfit no matter how hot it was outside. <laughs> so like I would wear like my mustard turtleneck mm-hmm. and like my cute little cigarette pants and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like the the secretary would have like a fall scented uh melt going we would crank down the ac to make it feel colder i would always make soup this is why i'm bringing it up i always made soup and then other people would bring like a dessert and a salad or like whatever Mm -hmm. so that was forcing fall feels friday and now that i don't have that job anymore i feel like i've lost some of those fun theme days you know i fucking Mm -hmm. love a theme so that's kind of why i created this party with my family because i'm like come over we're gonna have fucking soup october 1st and we're gonna fucking halloween it up (laughs) So I'm digging on the beginning of soup season.
1: Digging on so soup season and Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yep. So digging it. Oh, man.
2: What an episode.
1: This was I'm an tired episode. and I
2: ten points I didn't even get to, but I'm tired.
1: <laughs> so if you enjoy our content, you like these conversations, you'd like to support us, feel free to buy us a coffee or a pickle. Hey, there it is, at buymeacoffee.com/slash digging up the dug. Uh, You can enjoy our episode visuals, maybe something soup related, maybe something Legends of the Hidden Temple related on Instagram. Who knows? I know. At digging up the Duggars pod. And if you would like to send us anything snail mail related, you can hit our PO box 5973 Glendale, Arizona 85312. Check out that Legends of the Hidden Temple telling the green monkeys.
2: Make some soup this weekend.